0: We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn,
1: into the Monday edition of Sports Call, live on Tiger 95.9, the FM, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy, the host of this show, Today I've got Brant Dauntry and Tom Peavy with me as it is a victory Monday here on the Plains after Auburn defeats Mississippi State 27-13 to return to 500 on the season and get the first Southeastern Conference win of the Hugh Freeze era here at Auburn. We'll be talking all about that Auburn-Mississippi and Mississippi State game, what we saw from the likes of Peyton Thorne, the Auburn defense and company, still things to work on, but to can, the things that we liked about the game as well. Uh, as Auburn gets set to trying to go to Nashville and beat the Commodores in Nashville for the the first time in almost two decades. So we'll talk a lot about Auburn-Mississippi State. We'll review some of the other action in college football this past weekend. And at 4 o'clock today, Chris Gordy of the Locked On SEC podcast will join us, and he'll preview the upcoming week and SEC football there's a big one in Tuscaloosa this weekend that will likely decide the SEC's Western Division and so we'll talk to Chris about all the happenings in the SEC including that game coming up this weekend and of course we want to hear from you on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line at 334-887-3401 locally or toll free triple 1-888-9-TIGER-9. As always on the Monday show, towards the end we'll have our best and worst of the weekends as well. Ryan, Brant, and Tom with you here to start another week of Sports Call. Let's get to it. Brant, how are you, sir?
2: I'm doing good, man. Uh, like you said, uh, nice to have a victory Monday. Haven't had one in a little while, so uh, certainly some things to like about what Auburn showed. Uh, Tom and I were talking about last week about certain things that we wanted to see Auburn go to, things that we wanted to see them put in the playbook, and a lot of that was in there this week. A lot of those things that we were talking about that we wanted to see Auburn do, they did them, uh, and and they worked really well. And and part of it was your offensive line gave Thorne a little bit more time to throw. The the defense you were going up against, Mississippi State's run defense has been pretty good this year. Their pass defense has been subpar at best. But you went out there and you you executed, and and that's what we were looking for. Second half, the you know, they were very conservative in the second half, and I've got thoughts on that, but. Uh, overall you can't be too mad with a win Uh, I thought that this was by far the best Peyton Thorne has looked in an Auburn uniform Um, I think the highest completion percentage of his career is what I I saw someone say where he had what 230 yards something like that completed I think about 80 percent of his pass is a really good day for him certainly the most comfortable he looked and again part of that was the offensive line was able to keep him clean but uh, definitely everything else came together as well. So overall, from the offense, this is the first time where I've seen the offense and gone, okay, you can build off of this. You have shown me something that I wanted to see um you've expanded the playbook a little bit, you've gone to what your quarterback is comfortable doing, and you were able to keep him clean. And the running game worked really well in this game as well, and that's also a big help. Jarquez Hunter looked more like the Jarquez Hunter we've, come, we've become accustomed to uh, than he has uh, at any other point this year. So overall, the Auburn offense, the first half I give an A, the second half, uh, tough to judge because they were just kind of sitting on the lead. They weren't trying to do too much, uh, so a, a little bit of a lower grade there. But certainly the offense showed that it has this ability, and I think you can build on it going forward. So I take it you're doing well then? I'm Peevee. doing well. I am doing well. Uh, Tom
3: PV also on the show today. Tom, how are you? I, I'm good. Uh, yeah, very good to be back here in the studio talking about a win. Uh, I also uh, – pretty much everything brent just said right there i really like what i saw from peyton thorn i liked what i saw from jarquez liked what i saw from the offense for all but the last quarter well i mean they only had one possession in the third quarter so hard to really say much about the third quarter but uh, fourth quarter yeah uh Hugh Freeze addressed that today uh was that today that he had the the press? okay so he addressed it today I understand what he was saying I don't necessarily agree with what he was saying I'm in the same boat but I understand what he was saying um I think the fourth quarter definitely left something to be desired but you still got the win and it is what it is you got you got a much needed victory and you move on to the next so uh Overall, great weekend, great Halloween party at, uh, at Fat Daddy's. I got to see Brant. Yeah, he, I, I made an appearance. Brant made an appearance at <laughs> Fat Daddy's. you yeah, got to see me in costume.
2: Yeah, my, my older brother was in town. He loves Fat Daddy's. Uh, went there a lot when he was in college. So we went downtown, hung out for an hour or two, and then on the way back, you know, I, I live out on Wire Road, so we rode by Fat Daddy's, and we decided to stop in there for a little Wait, while. Let's so.
3: go see Tom.
2: Yeah. I was hoping you were Heck working yeah. the
3: bar. Oh yeah, no, I, not on not on a Saturday. No, you no. were in concert. You
2: you got up on stage where y'all are, y'all do karaoke in there, right? And you got up on stage, and I for the for the life of me, I thought you were about to sing I, like something. I don't I don't know what you would <laughs> what what would be your go to karaoke song because mine's Tennessee Whiskey by uh, Chris Stapleton. Oh gosh,
3: I don't sing karaoke, so <laughs> I there's not a go to. Uh, I would get up there if I was in like a huge group and we were just yeah. belting out something. Like a bad version of Bohemian Rhapsody or something. Nice, but I would have to have a lot of liquid courage and a <laughs> lot of people around me before I got up on stage to do that. But
2: yeah, you you got up on stage and you started making an announcement, and I started filming you because I was convinced you were about to start <laughs> ah. singing something. I was gonna have the time of my life.
3: Yeah, just emceeing the uh, the emceeing the the costume contest and uh, <laughs> yeah, fun time this weekend and uh, more fun time coming up tomorrow as it is Halloween and so uh but yeah i mean it's a, it a good weekend it, it's it's good to come out with a victory uh some other good games around uh they enjoyed watching and then some good nfl games once again my fantasy uh i i go 0 for two on fantasy because some very reliable people and defense has let me down in very close uh matchups in fantasy so uh but yeah good sports weekend good weekend all around
1: Yes, sir. So let's get into it. Of course, we start uh, with Auburn's victory over Mississippi State. Again, 27-13. to Dominating first half of 24-3, to doubling Mississippi State up in yardage. Obviously, the second half, uh, Auburn did not move the ball the same way. Played it a little differently. Uh, still held on. Not too many nervous moments, although if State had caught that touchdown in the corner of the end zone there on that uh, fourth down play, we would have been uh, talking about a different last possession there. But Auburn... Still a two touchdown victory. They were favored by six and a half. They win by 14. Uh, but more notably, the over under of that game was 41. There were 40 total points, so again, it was not too far off of what was anticipated. Uh, However, the optics look different, especially the first half. As we've been talking throughout the year, the result of the game's not shocking, but how we got there felt disappointing and discouraging at times. Uh, This one kind of goes in the little bit of the the opposite realm where, yes, the results there, but finally the, the optics certainly look better. So Auburn comes out, first half, again, 24 points in the first half. Throwing, running, and more importantly, stuck with one quarterback. That one quarterback played quite well. I think we only saw Astrid a couple of snaps in the game. I think Mm -hmm. he had one design run. He might have been out there handing it off another time. I think he got two carries in the game. So maybe two or three plays out there. But we did not see any sort of weird rotation or anything like that. So let's start there because that's what we talked about all throughout the last week. What we saw out of Peyton Thorne. Uh, what did he unlock on Saturday, and then obviously, I think we're all going to be aligned on the plan going forward. But just everything we saw out of Peyton Thorn on Saturday,
3: I, he looked confident. He looked poised. Uh, he made some really good throws. the uh, the The little touch pass to uh, Cobb, the the little fade over the shoulder. I mean that that was just that was a beautiful throw. Uh, he had the really long deep ball uh, that was called for a touchdown. I like that one. Uh, the first touchdown was an underthrow that uh, that the wide receiver makes. A, hooks, yeah. uh, hooks makes a good catch and then just powers his way through a defender to get to the end zone. So an underthrown ball there, but on um, the other two, and especially the touch pass to Cobb was a thing of beauty. Uh, I saw a lot of, I saw good things. I saw some good passes. Uh, I saw some poise. Still, a couple of times that he got out of the pocket a little too early. Um, I think that still has to do with some not being 100% confident with the protection that you're getting. But, uh, I, you know, for the most part, I liked what he saw. And then, uh, yeah, uh, you know, he looked poised. That's the biggest thing I can say is he looked poised. And then, of course, second half, you know, they kind of put the handcuffs on him, it felt like. And so you didn't really get to see a whole lot more of him in the second half. But in the first half of that game, yeah, he he seemed like a different quarterback. Yeah, uh, you, know, you have to think – I don't want to just downplay it because it's still an SEC team, but, uh, I mean, it, it's Mississippi State, let's be honest. Their their defense is not of the caliber of some of the ones that they've seen lately. Still, he looked poised. He made some throws that, that were really nice and got the job done.
2: Yeah, I agree. This is by far the most confident and comfortable he's looked as an Auburn quarterback. Um, they ran some of those – Two-man concepts, three-man concepts that we've been talking about wanting to see. A lot more quick RPOs, especially early to get him into rhythm, and I think that's a good thing. Uh, the first touchdown, like Tom said, it was an underthrow on that. or it, it, More of a back shoulder than a true underthrow, but either way, Shane Hooks fought through what should have been pass interference and, and made the catch anyway. It's the type of play that I've been railing against, that RPO fade. I hate it, but it worked, so I can't be too mad at it in this play. His second deep ball, it was a great. It was Javarius Johnson that caught it, right? That was that was a true play action pass where Var just ran the ran a really good route, got lost the DB, and then Thorne put it on the money. I mean, it was really well, really well done. And then, like Tom said, that wheel to Jeremiah Cobb out of the backfield, you can't make that throw any better. Uh, that was a dime. And it, it, overall. I think he looked a lot more confident. Um, I would have enjoyed seeing them open it up a little bit more in the third and fourth quarter. Cause I feel like you had opportunities in this game to put them away. And instead you handed the ball off, electing to run time off the clock. When again, you, you've got a, a quarter and a half left ish, really a full quarter. Um, I, I wasn't too happy with that decision-making, but I understand why they did it. Like Tom said, I'd understand, disagree, but understand, um, he threw what he threw twenty passes in the first half, I think. What was something like? That. I'll double threw, check the number. Threw, I
1: actually, tweeted out it was nineteen or twenty. Yep. Yeah, essentially and, twenty passes.
2: Yeah. yeah, threw about twenty passes in the first half. Through twenty six for the entire game, uh, and that's like like Tom said, kind of just put the handcuffs on him and rode the defense to a win. And and you know, as long as you're winning, you can get away with that. I wonder if they'll continue to do that uh, going forward against offenses that are better because Mississippi State's offense hasn't been great anyway, and they were missing their starting quarterback and running back in this game. Right. So it, very, very possible that he looked at that and said, those guys aren't going to put three touchdowns on us. Let's just get out of here. And if, if that's so, then, you know, that's possible. Um, something that we haven't talked about yet, Connor Liu getting his first start at center for Auburn uh, was named SEC Freshman of the Week at, as an offensive yep. lineman. That's tough to do. Uh, I thought he looked really good, especially in run blocking. Um, he There were some moments where he got pushed back a little bit, and that's to be expected. I mean, he's an 18-year-old making his first start. He is a little undersized for an SEC offensive lineman, but uh, can clearly overcome it by being athletic and mean enough. Uh, I, I, Connor is going to be a big-time contributor moving forward, I think, and uh, a great first start for him in.
1: Yeah, so Thorne was 15-20 first half, 192. Second half, that means he was 5 out of 6 for 38 yards. Yeah. Uh, You know, I I think that the offensive line play, too, and I know we'll get to other parts of it throughout the show, um, they were doing some rotation on offensive line, which is not something common, although it seemed to almost every single iteration of that seemed to work. Heard Hugh Freeze say earlier today that Cam Stutz is banged up, might not practice tomorrow, and that is part of the reason that's one of the person people they were rotating some. And uh, it, it sounded the way he termed it made it sound like Stutz is a thirty-five year old vet that's almost out of <laughs> gas. He was like, Yeah, he's one of our older guys and and uh, basically to get him through the season, we just don't know if he can practice every day. It just <laughs> needs some maintenance days. But uh, but yeah, so that was interesting, but they did get in general good offensive line play. Uh, which allowed Thorne the ability. Also, too, what they started doing in the game really early on before they opened it up a little bit at the end of those drives is the first two or three completions were kind of like, Two, three steps, and throw. Two, yeah. three steps, and throw. We Very got quick. we got a quick eight-yard out or something on the edge, and we're, you're throwing it there. And that got him in the rhythm. And what I like that they did now, granted, they had a couple deep balls, so they didn't really ever get truly in the red zone early on because that hooks pass was, I think, about 30 yards or so. And then, obviously, the Javarius Johnson pass was even longer. But even at the end of the half, when he throws the pass to Cobb, is they did not put Ashford in that that towards the 25 30 20 yard line package and they let him be uh be out there for the end of the drive and again like i said i know that some of those are a little different because they didn't even get close enough to really warrant the package or wouldn't have been the package in previous weeks but just building that confidence and stacking good drives and uh, that's something where, again, he completed the first half. I mean, he was excellent. If you score 24 points a half, which they're not going to do all, all the time, but if you score 24 points a half, you're going to win all your football yeah, games.
2: That's winning football.
1: Right, for sure. and, and so they played a the first half that we hoped, and uh, I don't want to say expected all year long, but certainly we're hoping and wanting them to get towards. We'll get to the second half more and get everyone's complete thoughts on the, on the why and what and that sort of thing. Um, a little bit later because that is worth talking about, but we'll keep it contained uh, for one more moment on on Thorne's ability in this game. And you know, I I know he missed one or two plays, and and I think Freeze referenced that today too. But again, that's that's part of it's going to happen. And I know that in RPOs, you're going to make the wrong decision every now and then, and, and that's what I think they're referencing. But I uh, I said earlier well not earlier this week this is the first day of the week I said the end of last week that there were certain limitations to where I feel like this offense is not going to get to in power five play this year it just is what it is but Thorne damn near almost shattered that in the first half which does give you hope for Vandy and for Arkansas in particular, even Alabama, but especially Vandy and Arkansas, that they might be able to push that ceiling back up again. I don't want to be too – overly optimistic, because again, I'm not predicting 45 points in Nashville by any means, but if you can do that for half, then you start to work on, okay, we finally, for the first time all year, you saw it play out this way in a Power 5 game. Now, can you add a little longer, add a little more depth to it? I know they did score in their one drive in third quarter, and they certainly had a mentality change in the fourth, but again, that, that was... If you play that half of Auburn football, if you can replicate that, A, you'll make $10 million a year, but B... If you replicate that, then you're going to be able to get more out of this team than I even thought possible six days ago.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You look at the remainder of Auburn's schedule, the hardest part of it is over other than uh, playing Alabama at the very end of the year. But you look at this upcoming slate of SEC games, you got Vanderbilt, then you host Arkansas, then New Mexico State. Auburn should win all three of those games. And if they had – still struggled against mississippi state offensively but managed to win the game i'm not sure i would be saying that but because i mean arkansas and vanderbilt are not good that's not a shock to anybody right but you've shown that offensively you found something that works even if it just works against mississippi state you've shown that you can do it against sec competition um there the auburn offense I don't know. It's something to build on, right? That's what, that's what we've been clamoring for this season is you, the offense to this point has just looked lost. It's looked directionless. It's looked like it hasn't had an identity. In this game, you saw, hey, there's something here. And that's kind of what we've been looking for all year. And I think, like I, like I keep saying, you can build off of this. To this point, we haven't seen that. But in this game, especially in the first half, you saw an identity. You saw what they wanted to do. And it, it worked. It worked. What you want, you stuck to a thing, and that thing worked. And I don't, I don't just mean quarterback rotation, but that's certainly a part of it.
1: Well, and and two, it's like with the remaining schedule, aside from Alabama, obviously, you've got two of the weaker teams in the league plus a, a group of five team. It's like if you play that way, you will achieve what you need to achieve down yeah. the stretch to get to seven wins. Uh, and then have a shot at the Iron Bowl. And, and who knows how that will go. I think part of it will be dictated. I know it sounds weird, but part of it might be detect, uh, dictated this weekend with what Alabama does against LSU. Mm-hmm. But I, we know, high, whole, you know home Iron Bowls are going to be close, and you feel even better about it being down at the wire now that Auburn's now – had a semblance of offense. Even even though Mississippi State's so much different defensively than Alabama, we know that, but you combine, okay, here's an epped half, and then here is a performance that was – hanging you in there and against Georgia, who is going to be a defense like Alabama. Then you start to piece together. Okay, you're checking the box what you need for the remainder of this season at the very least. We are going to take our first time out of the show today. When we come back, we go to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. We'll go to Matt from Tallahassee. When we come back, you're listening to the Monday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
0: Looking for another way to listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. I'm Deshaun Davis, former Auburn Tigers football player and all-SEC linebacker. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to SportsCall,
1: Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, and Brant Dontry with you here on this Monday edition of the program. And now we go to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line for the first time today. 334-887-3401 locally or toll free. one eight nine tiger First up on the show today,
0: Matt from Tallahassee.
1: Matt, how are you this afternoon? War Eagle! War Eagle.
4: Hi, Tom. Hey, what's up? Because your girlfriend's at work and she didn't want to come.
3: She has actually been very sick over the last week, so uh, yeah she she's been on the mend from being very sick.
4: It's not your fault.
3: <laughs> Probably.
4: Wait, well, hey, say so, hey, I want to talk about the game. I'm glad we got a win, and we needed that win. And and like, uh, did you guys share that we're at a 13 point favor over Vandy?
1: Uh, yeah, that sounds about right. I believe that's uh, that's still what it is. So uh,
4: I'm saying 43, 43 to thirteen in
1: Auburn. Okay, that would uh, that would definitely have Auburn covering. Yeah, Auburn currently a, a twelve point favorite. Just to double check, but uh, yeah, you got it right last week, Matt.
4: Yeah, hey, hey, at least for what that's one out of like what seven.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, uh, but hey, it's the one that counts.
4: So here's my here's my score on the LSU Bama game. I got Bama let's see L S U is on a dog, right? So they're what, a six point?
1: Uh Alabama is favored by three.
4: Okay. So I'm going with I'm going I'm saying LSU, i U I'm saying L S U twenty seven uh, twenty-seven, twelve.
1: Twenty-seven, twelve.
4: No, 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 twenty-seven. Twenty-seven. Yeah, twenty-seven,
1: twelve. All right, twenty-seven, twelve.
4: Or I could go. Or I could go. Uh, Thirty to. Thirty to
1: uh, seventeen. Yeah, really, it's just up to you there. I um, since it is your predictions, I mean, it's whatever you feel convicted by.
4: So, hey, Tom and Brent, what do you guys think about those
3: two scores? I certainly think it's possible. Yeah, I I, I definitely think that's possible.
4: So, do you think that LSU can probably beat Bama and then, like, we can beat Bama and not Bama out of the SEC championship game in the playoffs?
1: Yeah, so I think that uh, depending on what LSU does the rest of the year, if LSU is able to win this game – and they win out, then it doesn't matter um, between Alabama and Auburn who goes, who wins that game, who wins the West. LSU would win the West if they can win this game and and win out. Obviously, if Alabama wins, though, I mean it, Alabama's going to win the West. They'd have to lose twice. They're not going to lose to Kentucky, and uh, so they're going to be in good shape uh, to to win the West. So it is a huge game. I do think Auburn will hang around the Iron Bowl. Absolutely, I'm not sure if they will win. I yeah. still need to see the offense consistently week in, week out here. I know it's Fandy. I know it's Arkansas coming up. But if they can play like the first half on Saturday and duplicate that over and over again, plus Alabama lose to LSU this weekend and no longer necessarily have the West on the line, uh, you know, I, I the Auburn chances grow, let me put it that way. But uh, I, I do think it will be a very competitive game. Well,
4: this question for all three guys, and I'll start with Brent first. What do you guys think about the call on Deion Sanders' son on target
2: after he got ejected? Yeah, I, I was watching that game. Um, I think by letter of the law, yes, it was targeting, but I don't think that's the kind of hit that that rule is there to prevent. Uh, the, the head-to-head contact was more incidental. It was not a product of what uh, – it was Shiloh, right? Shiloh is the, yeah. is the kid's name, Shiloh, Shiloh Sanders, that, that got ejected. Uh, he was not trying to lead with his helmet. He did not lead with his helmet. He put shoulder and chest, and the helmets happened to collide. Um, I didn't think it was intentional. I think by letter of the law, yes, the decision was correct, but I don't think that that is what targeting should be for.
4: Well, oh, oh, Tom and Ron, before we got the answer. There was like a, like targeting on like uh, when Auburn on Mississippi State's uh, player where they hit Auburn's player, but the referee didn't call it. It is like a targeting – on that but records in college so what do you guys think about that
1: yeah I'm not I'm not exactly sure on which uh, which specific Auburn Mississippi State play uh, you're referring to but I will say I think
4: I, I think it's like I, can't, I think it against like uh, there was number 13 for Auburn in the pass and I think that uh Mississippi State player I think he did like a you know, crowned helmet and uh and then like uh The referees didn't see. It was right in front of referees, and that should be like a targeting, because and stuff. But there was there was like not that many. Like there's kind of bad calls, but I think it was like number thirteen for Auburn catching the pass, and then Mississippi State's player got away with a a crown to the helmet.
1: Yeah, I just I just don't remember that one. It doesn't mean it didn't happen, but I just I just don't remember that particular one on Rivaldo Fairweather, but. Uh, yeah, no. I, I back on the the Colorado play. Look, I, 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 I this is a blanket statement I use for every single case of this, and, and there might be two or three exceptions where there's just an obviously poor hit. I've still never been a fan, fan of the ejection. I understand huge hits and that sort of thing being penalized from time to time. Although I'm not even sure that was all the way in the spirit of the of the rule either. I would just say that. With these targeting plays, I'm just not a fan of kicking a 19 or 20-year-old out of a game for one illegal hit. I just don't think that it's ever made sense. I don't think it will make sense. Uh, I think it should be an unsportsmanlike foul, which means if you get two of them, you're you're disqualified. So you get one of those and a taunting, or one of those or two of those, whatever. That's fine, but I just don't think that one hit, with the way they call it, should disqualify someone from the game when yeah. it doesn't happen in the NFL. So I, I don't think you should have been disqualified, and that's just kind of a blanket statement I have with all these hits. So,
4: hey, so Ryan and Tom, what do you guys think about the call on um, a targeting call on Deion Sanders' son?
3: I, I I didn't like it, but I, I'm I'm one of those that, you know, prefers, you know, if you're going to play football, then you got to play football. I don't think he was going after his head. I don't think he was intentionally trying to hurt him. Uh, I don't think that should be targeting. I definitely don't think you should be kicking people out of a game for making a football play. So uh, yeah. I, I don't think it was targeting at all, and I, I hate that rule. Yeah. So,
4: Ryan, what do you think about it?
3: Yeah, I already answered what I, I thought about it. I think you, you've oh.
4: heard from
1: all three of us already. Yep.
4: Oh. Okay, so, hey, so, like, okay, say Auburn goes to a bowl and plays, say, they're talking about playing against Boston College. And I know that I asked you guys this question before, that Hank Brown will never play. But do you probably see Hank Brown probably playing a bowl game or probably playing next year? Because like, he'll be a redshirt sophomore next year, right?
3: I, I I don't think Hank Brown will ever see the field for Auburn except for A Day. Okay. All
5: right.
4: Well hey, i just like my my on my slow so I almost, can I do a quick trivia
1: question? Uh, yeah, what do you want the trivia on?
4: Um, do
1: you want it on Auburn Vanderbilt since they're about to play?
4: Yeah.
1: Alright, let's do that then. So the teams have played 43 times okay they played 43 times and one of them was a tie so they really they've had 42 either wins or losses how many times have auburn won out of those 42 games against vanderbilt yeah. uh,
4: is it a multiple choice?
1: Uh-huh. sure i'll give you a multiple choice is it a 15 times b 21 times c 27 out of 42 or d 35 out of 42
4: uh, if I get this wrong, I'll take the blame. Uh, I say, I
1: say, I say C. That is a very good guess, twenty-seven, but that is incorrect. Would you like another guess? Uh, B. B is correct. Auburn and Vanderbilt have a tied all-time series, twenty-one all, twenty-one, twenty-one and one. I don't know if a lot of people know that. A lot of that damage was done in the thirties and forties by Vanderbilt and twenties, yeah. but uh. Yeah, tied all the time. One more question for you, Matt. When's the last time? Do you remember what year Auburn last played Vanderbilt?
4: Oh, I think me and my mom and dad went to that game. Oh, it would to be 19-something.
1: Well, it was, it was pretty recent. Gus Malzahn was the coach. It
4: wasn't, it wasn't 2010.
1: No, more recent than that. It had to be
4: 19. Is there a multiple choice?
1: I can give you multiple choice. Yeah, 2012. That's a B 2015. C 2016 and D 2021. I say 2000 uh 2000
4: and the, the the first the first one.
1: No, not, not 2012, although they did play that year. That's the last time Auburn lost to Vanderbilt. They last played in 2016. That was in Auburn. John Franklin III, LOL, started that game, and uh, Auburn won 23-16. to Okay, so hey, who does
4: Auburn volleyball play? They play, they play Arkansas,
1: right? Uh, I'm not sure. I know they beat Alabama over the weekend. I, I don't know who their, who their next match is against. I know Auburn Soccer's next is against Arkansas. Auburn Soccer yeah. beat Tennessee this weekend. Yeah. So
4: what do, you think, what do you guys think about the exhibition game tonight for the uh, women and then for the men on Wednesday night?
1: Yeah, you know, I, I, I've not uh, read up too much on the, the women's exhibition for tonight. I know that I uh, heard from Bruce Pearl earlier today about the, the men's exhibition on Wednesday against AUM, Auburn-Montgomery. And I'm just excited to see the guys out there. I, I mean, we're not going to learn a whole lot. Auburn Montgomery's obviously not. I mean, they're, they're not even Division One, And w- that could go either way, by the way. I mean, uh, there's a couple teams that have lost to really, yeah, okay. really bad teams. So I really don't care about the result. I just care about how they look, how they're playing defense, yeah. how they're shooting the ball. Well, you guys
4: can probably still get Bruce Pearl on the show so I can talk to him, right?
1: We are, we are absolutely working on it.
4: Are you trying to get Devon Dean and Bo on the show, too?
1: Yeah, Trevon actually called us a couple weeks ago out of the blue. We were very surprised by that. We we did not know he would call, and he called us and, and said hello for a few minutes and said where he. Oh, next
4: time you talk to him, tell him I said hey and see if he can get on the show and stuff of like that. But he, you guys haven't heard from Sean, right?
1: Uh, not in a few weeks. We heard from him about a month ago, I think.
4: Well, hey, if he says that you guys are fired, telling you guys he's you guys are rehired and Birch is rehired, but he owes us uh, like he's fired though.
1: Oh, Brooks is kind of fired, though.
4: No, Sean's fired.
1: Sean's fired. Brooks is rehired and Sean's fired. Okay.
4: Yeah. Hey, hey, Tom, tell your girlfriend how she feels better. And maybe next Monday she can be on the show. But hey, I got some good news for you guys.
1: What's well,
4: that? I got some bad news. As long as I'm behaving, I'm going to talk back to my mom. I'll be able to go to Florida and see my friend and watch Auburn beat Alabama and do a little dance.
1: Whoa! Okay.
4: And so, "But my friend, he's a big, he's a big Gator fan. But I'm making it up for Auburn. But, and stuff, so, but I said like I said, uh, I'm hoping to come on to you guys' radio station sometime. I'm still welcome to come, right?"
1: Uh, absolutely, absolutely.
4: Okay, and uh, and so, so, but uh, yeah, uh, he's had to probably give me the uh, address sometimes where I can find it. Are you guys close
1: to the tennis club, or where are you guys down on College Street? Uh, yeah, we're 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 down on College Street, where where the city of Auburn softball fields are. We're right beside the Hampton Inn.
4: Okay, uh, I'll get my mom. I'll get my mom, and if I come, what it? What's probably a good time to probably come,
1: probably? Oh, well, I don't know. Probably about uh, I don't know two o'clock, two thirty, just before the show, uh, probably. I would okay, say. Okay,
4: with one of you guys meet me out the door. And...
1: Uh, of course, absolutely.
4: All right, well, hey, you
1: guys have a good day, and um, and War Eagle, and hopefully you
4: can pull off a win uh, this Saturday. Absolutely. War Eagle, Matt. All
1: right, see you, Tom. All right, War Eagle, bud. That right, is my
4: friend, War Eagle.
1: War Eagle. That is Matt from Towsie, Matt for Auburn, joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. We need to head to our next timeout. Back with more sports call right after this.
0: Want to know how easy it is to listen to our show? All you have to do with your Amazon smart device is say, Alexa, play Sports Call Auburn. We're done paying the bills. Now back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
1: Welcome back to Sports Call on this Monday afternoon. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app, or if you're listening after the fact, on the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola. Ryan LaVoy, Brant Daughtry, Tom Peavy with you here. On this Monday edition of the program. Let's go back to the orthopedic clinic phone line now. Three 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 four eight eight seven three four zero one no clear toll free one triple eight nine tiger nine. Next up on the show, Wardam Steve. Retire Wardam Steve is with us. Steve, how are you this afternoon?
5: Well, I didn't have to run out of alcohol, so that's a good thing. Good afternoon, guys.
1: Good afternoon, Good to afternoon. You.
5: We we won, right? We won. Yes, we sir. did. And we beat the point spread. Yes we did. Yes. And uh, I tell you what, that was a bad beat if you had Auburn over 41.
1: Yes, State almost had that, yeah. Three
5: points. I mean, you know, if you look at the score at the half, you've got nothing but all you need is 14 points in the second half.
1: Yep, and alas, a lot of running and a couple three-and-outs, and and, yeah.
5: So I was wondering, guys, uh, just curious here, uh, did somebody leave Gus Malzahn's? Second half playbook adjustments on the bench, sidelines for Auburn.
1: Yeah, I I, I understand the joke. I I think that uh, obviously they went very conservative, and that's something we're going to debate on the show for sure a little bit later. But uh, they were backed up a couple times. It's harder to uh, it's harder to pass when you're at your own ten early in drives when you know that it's. Conducive to just trying to, to eat some clock, and I think they also trusted the defense. Mike Wright did make a couple really good throws, but I don't think that they were ever overly threatened by him because he never strung them together. He'd make a great throw and then he'd throw it to no one in particular, and so uh, you know they they certainly did not uh, excel in the second half and did not impress. But I think they were they were comf- comfortable with the lead they'd built.
5: Well, guys, give me your thoughts here on uh, Coach Freeze's comments uh, today. Uh, when asked about the uh, uh, rather anemic uh, second-half scoring, and he says, I don't know, quote, how to be more aggressive. That's the possessions we had. That was it. So I would have loved to have had some possessions like we had in the first quarter, uh, but I promise you I was not going to be aggressive of two scores on the five-yard line or the three-yard line unless something crazy happened and there would be a tip ball and all of a sudden momentum flips. Uh, I, I don't like playing scared, you know. Uh, that's one of the things. Even though I couldn't stand uh, Coach Furrier, you know, he just he kept on scoring. You know, in fact, he said it's up to the team to uh, stop us, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, look, I can provide, and that's still I hesitate because I want everyone to get their word in at the same time. I, I hesitate to go deep dive into it because uh, I do think we have a little bit of differing opinions here. But I think that uh, obviously he does quote know how to be more aggressive. I, I think he. Uh, he knows how to do that. He was not willing to, and that's a choice that ultimately went okay if Mississippi State had continued to come back, and that would have been problematic. I think in his view, the, the one point I'll go ahead and make is say, in his view, they had already had a productive passing attack. They'd already had a productive moment. If they turn the ball over there, the confidence can go awry pretty quickly. And, uh, and if they do have that turnover – then obviously that accelerates the comeback process. So when you do that on your own side of the field, that backed up. So, I again, I, I understand. I certainly understand why, why people are frustrated about it. Again, I'm not as frustrated about it. Um, I think that this is one of the very, very few times where being a little more conservative was okay because of what Mississippi State had in offense. I think if you had Will Rogers – uh, in that game, I think that would have maybe egged Auburn on to do a little bit more and also would have been a little more worrying. So uh, I think they were really playing into the defensive side of things and trying to make Mississippi State earn the entirety of their comeback.
5: Okay, I, I get that. Uh, however, Tom. Yes. Brian and Brent. I watched, I was, at, I was at a wedding, but I kept watching it on my phone. And, you know, Keep getting three and outs, you know, uh, three plays, and and you can't make a first down. Then you start wearing out your defense, which we're thin defense, and that's what I was afraid was happening, guys. Uh, You know, and you can't keep on counting on the defense uh, to to to, to hold them to fourth downs. You know, in fact, we only had uh, eight minutes of possession. i was reading this from Jason Callum. Eight minutes of possession time in the fourth quarter. Um, To me, that's just as risky as if you were still trying to be aggressive. But do you guys uh, feel my my viewpoint is really fallible? I
2: I see both sides. I Steve, I do lean more towards what you're saying. I do think that... I, I don't think that the game was called scared. I think the game was called conservative. You were trying to run out clock and not mm-hmm. turn the ball over and blah, blah. And again, I do not disagree with anything Hugh Freeze has said. Um, I, I do think that against a better team, if you were out there against a team that had an offense that had any pulse at all, I would like to believe that the play calling would have changed. Now, do I like that he's changing his play calling on his offense based on what the other team's offense is doing? Not particularly. I would rather you just do what you do. Like I said at the beginning of the show, you had opportunities to kind of put a boot on the neck and end that game early and you didn't take it. And, that, to me, is disturbing. I'm not mad at it in this game because it didn't come back to bite you. Um, if if Mississippi State had made this a one-score game, I'd probably be a little more frustrated with it, and I would say, hey, great first half. You can't do that again, but and they were backed up. I think there are ways to be aggressive without putting the ball in dangerous positions. Um, I, I think that They did some of that on their early drives, and I think that if they had gotten a couple of first downs, uh, even if they didn't score, if they had gotten some more first downs, if they had gone over, I don't know, 150 yards in the second half, I would be less upset with it. Um, It's, to me, not something that I'm overly worried about right now because you won the game anyway. Uh, If this continues in the future and you lose a game because of it, we're going to look back at this and go, man, this is concerning.
1: And by the way, Steve, with seven and a half and nearly eight minutes of possession in the fourth quarter, that means they possessed the ball as much or more than Mississippi State did in the fourth quarter.
5: It was the third quarter. It was dangerous for us because they they had the the, the ball, possession of the ball, for uh, about 19 minutes, I think is what I read.
1: 19 minutes in the second half, something like that. I mean, the time possession yeah. ended up very even for the game. So I, I, I don't know the particulars of each each quarter. I know there was a couple long drives in the third quarter, one from Auburn, one from Mississippi State, but uh, from a time-consuming perspective. But, uh, again, I think it would was pretty even with, with time possession.
5: I guess, you know, I'm getting at guys basically as a long-time uh, football uh, Auburn fan. and uh, You know, it just seems like uh, this – this coach was going to be different. And what made my difference is I've seen this over and over again, the same, the same show. You know, Tullerville's second half, conservative. Uh, Chising, conservative. Malzahn, conservative. And what I mean by that is we don't score near the, the points, if at all even, uh, than we do in the first half. And I thought this guy was going to be different. Where did I think wrong about Freeze?
1: I think most coaches act this way. I, I think because the Steve Spurgers of the world are not the norm. The, the, so the,
5: the Steve Spurgers are an anomaly.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I don't think there's a lot of teams that chuck it up 30 in the fourth quarter um, unless they're trying to get a, a second string or a one or two deep balls in there. But, I, I mean, I again, I get it, but I, I really would rather not have this be the entire conversation on the day after a win.
5: Okay. All right. Fire enough. up. Well, let's, uh, uh, let me ask you guys. Uh, offensive Player of the Game,
1: Peyton Thorn. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's Thorn.
2: Okay, I thought you might have picked maybe one of the receivers. Nah, no. The receivers played well, but Thorn's the one that got it to yeah. him, and
3: he spread it around. Yeah, so well I'm not going to pick one particular receiver. Yeah. I mean, Thorn had absolutely his best game as an Auburn Tiger.
2: No argument.
5: Okay, Defensive Player of the Game.
2: Um, uh Keontae scott really yeah. stood out i think um it, it was really a a total effort and that's such a cop-out answer but if i can't say Keontae you, scott um, then i mean i, I think the front the, the front seven all played really well as well yeah i i think you get a lot of names there uh
1: sante was the leading tackler mm. and scott from his db position was the second leading tackler which is which is not always a great sign, but for him on this game, it was. Uh, they only allowed they allowed a couple big plays. They did force the turnover, but Zion Puckett that was really the only play made in the game. So, I yeah, I, I think there's a lot of different guys there.
5: Okay, uh, play of the game for Auburn.
1: Play of the game? Did you say play of the mm-hmm. game?
5: Either defense or offense?
3: Yeah. Oh, I I mean I I I, I to me the play of the game just because it was so pretty, so well-designed, and so well-executed. The the little fade touch pass to uh, to Cobb for the touchdown, that really kind of just put that game... You felt like it put that game completely away just because Mississippi State was not doing anything. And, and I mean, that just... That touch throw, that's a very, very difficult throw to put on the money like that. And for... Uh, the running back, the position, his body position, the way it just came right over his shoulders, that it was so well designed, so well executed, and and really kind of put the game away. So that's my play. I would I I would say that would be my number two. I'd go to the Hooks play because
1: it was a great individual effort, and it was the first of what ended up being a few and kind of got them going, got the confidence going, finished the first drive of the game. I remember you asked last week, Steve, about what do we do if we won the toss, and you were kind of – Maybe wanting the ball a little bit more than we were, we were wanting to kick. Well, Auburn had to take the ball first because Mississippi State won the toss, and that play enabled them to go down and finish off a, a good drive and get on the board.
5: Right. Okay, guys. Real quickly, let me jump to the NFL. What, what were the New York Jets doing? Struggling with New York Giants? Well, those are those are
3: two them. terrible teams. So I don't think the Jets There's are way- terrible. Jets have a terrible, terrible offense. Because that Wilson, they were four and is, three. Is well, I'll tell
5: you how, how terrible. That's another statement. is how terrible the Giants are. I'm reading this from Bleacher reports. They had nine minus nine minus nine now passing yards, at least since 2000.
1: Yeah, no, well, it was it was, was bad.
5: There were 24 punts. Yeah, there were more punts than there were of the game. Yeah, I didn't know that. I was reading. good God, uh, and there were 15 punts and zero third down conversions in the first half. I, I thought our offense was really atrocious, but, boy, that, that beat that one. Okay, uh, real quickly, guys, you know about uh, Jim Harbo's uh, contract being rescinded? Yes, I did Michigan? read about that, yep. What do you make of that?
1: I mean, I think it's the first admission that there's, gu- there's going to be some guilt there.
5: Yep. <laughs> uh, do you think he might be really, 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 really on the hot seat?
3: No, I think he's done.
1: I I think he's just going to leave.
3: Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, yeah. I I think the I think the pressure is going to be for him to leave, and he's going to leave on his own and try to get an NFL job. But now the NFL has they've come out and said that they're I think they they called it uh, the quote the golden parachute or something like that to where he's not they're not just going to give him a job. I mean they're gonna uh, the NFL teams and the NFL uh, they are also going to look at what all went on at Michigan if he tries to come in the NFL and see if there's. Things that may black blackball him from getting into the NFL as well.
5: Okay, and finally, guys, today in sports history, on October thirtieth, nineteen seventy four. You know what happened? No idea. In boxing,
1: uh, not a clue. No, I, I still don't know.
5: The Rumble in the Jungle.
3: Okay, okay.
5: Mister Muhammad Ali, formerly known as Cassius Clay, uh, knocked out twenty five year old champ George Foreman. Regained his title in the eighth round. Nice. So there you have it. The Rumble in the Jungle. Hi guys, Thank you for your time as always, and I uh, have a safe afternoon and evening. I look forward to to the podcast later on, and uh, we'll give this another shot uh, tomorrow and see how it goes. Have a safe afternoon, guys. Warrego.
1: You too, Steve. Oh, Warrego. That is Retire Ward AMC joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line, and we are out of time for hour number one. When we come back to start hour number two, Chris Gordy of the Locked On SEC podcast will be with us. He'll talk what he's seen out of Auburn here in year one of Hugh Freeze, other SEC storylines, hot seats, and big games coming up in the next couple weeks. That's all ahead. Stay tuned. Chris Gordy of Locked On SEC is next on the Monday edition of Sports Call.
0: And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the Plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Our
1: number two of Sports Call starting right now, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Brant Dontry, and Tom Peavy with you here on this monday afternoon and we start hour number two by going to the orthopedic clinic phone line and we now welcome on chris gordy of the locked on sec podcast kind enough to chat with us here on this monday chris how are things in your world
6: well not great guys i'm in houston where it was a a balmy 89 degrees yesterday and 49 today so uh you know look i guess cold weather means we're getting into the thick of football season where games start to matter more but uh I was enjoying the extended summer for a while, but uh, this cold weather's for the birds.
1: Yes, and uh, we are just hours away from a cool down here in, in Alabama. That, that cold front headed our way for sure. But uh, it is heating up in the college football world. And, Chris, we want to start off, uh, obviously, we, we will get to some of these big matchups in the conference this weekend, that BAM-LSU game in a little bit, and uh, some games with Georgia coming up. But we do want to start with the Auburn Tigers, 4-4 four and four on the season, uh, get their first SEC win against Mississippi State. Just what have you thought about the Tigers this season?
6: Well, I mean, you know, thanks to Peyton Thorn for finally showing up and playing like he was supposed to. It uh, would have been nice for him to play like that earlier in the year. I, I kid a little bit. I mean, I know it's been a combination of things. Uh, the offensive line's been inconsistent. The receivers have not been very good. and It's just been a whole combination of things. But, you know, when I talked a couple weeks ago about, you know, surprise players through the transfer portal and all this, I mean, yes, he's had a pretty good hit rate in terms of guys who've come in via the transfer portal and, and been great successes. And, you know, you look at Alabama last year, Jameer Gibbs coming over from Georgia Tech, turns himself into a first-round pick. You know, Jamison Williams, the same thing. I mean, there's been a lot of great stories through the transfer portal. But, uh, you know, I said a few weeks ago, I thought Peyton Thorne might be, you know, if we were doing a top-ten list of biggest busts through the transfer portal as far as, like, expectations – I think Thorne's been up there. I mean, it's just, I really thought he was going to come in and solidify that quarterback job. But, you know, the way things looked through the first couple of weeks, yeah, they, they could have just rolled with TJ Finley again if they really wanted to. I mean, it, it just was not good. But that said, I get it. It was Mississippi State. They're not very good either. They do have some good players on their defense, but just out of sync, out of, you know, everything. And it was a good offensive performance for Auburn after a bunch of lackluster performances so far throughout the year. So that was good to see. Jarquez Hunter, a you know, really nice day running the football for him. And so hopefully this is something to build on. Because as we know, I mean, these next couple of games for Auburn are, are very winnable games. And, and there, is a, there is a world where Auburn could be sitting at seven wins going into the iron ball. I don't think that's likely, but there's a world where that could happen.
2: Chris, you touched on it a second ago there. Mississippi State's defense, uh, their run defense has been pretty good. They've struggled in other in other areas. Do you think that this performance from Auburn was more to do with them improving on offense or the Mississippi State defense not being up to the task or a combination of the two?
6: Yeah, it's a little bit of both. Again, I, I would hope that when you have offensive minds like Hugh Freeze and Philip Montgomery, that, you know, the the crap that they were putting out there the first few weeks, that wasn't what you know, that they weren't sitting there going, this is the best we can do. I think they changed a few things up. We saw some things with protection changes, getting the ball out a little bit quicker this week and things like that. So, again, I'm hopeful. Like Peyton Thorne, what he put on film at Michigan State, like we hadn't seen that guy really outside of the Sanford game, but I'm not even giving him that. It was Sanford. Um, we, we hadn't seen that guy until this week. So, yeah, again, is Mississippi State's defense not up to par? Sure, but. Auburn just needed a game like this to get a little confidence going to get Peyton Thorn feel like okay I am a good college quarterback and and this is what we could do when everything's clicking. So, you know, I said it I said it, you know, in the offseason guys, I, I I thought Auburn was going to finish dead last in the West uh because I just thought that all the new pieces they brought in it was going to take some time for chemistry and and everything to adjust and adapt and maybe we're starting to see that now. Maybe the chemistry is starting to gel. They've they found their their five offensive linemen they trust most. Jarquez Hunter starting to run the ball well, and uh, and hopefully Peyton Thorne settles in, and this is a, a sign of good things to come for him.
1: So, Chris, let's look at a couple of the top matchups in the league here in the coming weeks, and especially let's start off with that LSU Alabama matchup in Tuscaloosa this weekend, which pretty much decides the West. Obviously, it was a, a shaky start out of the gate for LSU, but they've they've stabilized, uh, really, starting with that that second half against Missouri, and then obviously whipped Auburn, whipped Army as they should. But uh, LSU and Alabama, this, this this is an interesting one, Chris. What do you think about this one?
6: Well. Like if I'm making predictions for this game right now, I'm thinking it, this could very well look like that Alabama-Tennessee game a year ago that ended. What was it, 52 to 49? LSU's offense. Look, LSU's got two two losses. The offense isn't the reason they lost those games. Jane, Jane Daniels has been phenomenal every single week that that he has played football for for LSU, and it's just funny when I see some of these people say, "Oh, Michael Penix for Washington." He should win the Heisman. All this, I'm going. That guy's had games where he's stunk, like or not stunk, but you know not been lights out. Jane Daniels, every week he's been out there, he's been lights out, and you know it's not his fault that this is one of LSU's worst defenses they've had in recent years. But uh, I do think they're up against it this week. We just found out today that you know Zai Alexander, their defensive back, he got hurt uh, two weeks ago in the Army game. He's going to be out. Uh, two of the other DBs, Deuce Chestnut and Denver Harris, they will not play in this game. So LSU's going to have to lean on some young freshman and sophomore corners that haven't really played much, like the Terrence Welch and Ashton Stamps. Sage Bryant's going to have to play one of those corner spots. And then on top of it, we found out today that one of their big interior D linemen, Makai Wingo, had surgery on the bye week, and he may miss the rest of the season. And so, I mean, it's like it's a defense that was already banged up, that was already not very good, and now they lose any you know depth they really had, including a couple starters. So... This is a game where, to me, like, Harold Perkins has to show up in a big way. He's got to make some big plays. The good news for LSU is Alabama's the most sacked team in the SEC, so Jalen Milro does take, you know, he does get sacked a lot. Uh, if I'm LSU, I just got to keep sending pressure and hope you force them into mistakes because if they're just going to play zone coverage with these young, inexperienced DBs, guys like Jermaine Burton and Amari Dyeblock are going to eat them apart, so... Uh, the, the good news is, on the flip side, LSU is 100 healthy on offense. It sounds like Emory Jones, their right, right tackle, is coming back healthy this week, and they'll have their full complement, their entire O line: Jaden Daniels, Malik Neighbors, Bryce Thomas Jr., Logan Diggs. They're going to have everybody back and healthy, and so uh, I expect LSU is going to score points. This is going to be the toughest offense Alabama faces all year. Uh, on the flip side, this will be the, the, one of the tougher defenses LSU has seen all year. But I do think LSU is going to go in and going to score points. But I do think uh, this is a game that Jalen Milrow can look very good to put up a lot of points. The thing he has to watch, though, and we've seen this from Milrow throughout the year, uh, the, the stupid interception at the inopportune time or the you know the fumble because he got sacked and he lost the football. Like We've seen that a couple times from Milrow throughout this year. If, he, if, if Milrow protects the football, Alabama's got a chance to win this game. But I do think LSU's offense is coming in. I mean, they've been an, a well-oiled machine all year long. Uh, they're scoring points. And so uh, that's why I say I really do think this is going to be like a 52-49 type game.
1: Do you find that either one of these teams are better equipped against Georgia? I know that really what we could get into with the SEC is just find me a a most likely loss scenario for Georgia at some point. Uh, Is it from one of these two teams? Is it from from Ole Miss when they go into Athens? Is it from Tennessee being at home? I mean, find me the most likely scenario for Georgia to lose.
6: Well, I think Georgia's about to see their their toughest part of their schedule. I mean, uh, I get they're at home, but Missouri is the real deal, man. i got to give Eli Drinkwood's credit. He has done uh, a phenomenal job in getting the most out of Brady Cook. Uh, Cody Schrader's been outstanding, one of the top two rushers in the SEC. Luther Burden has taken that big sophomore step here this year. I mean, it's just guy after guy after guy. They're bringing offensive weapons from everywhere, and their defense has been pretty good, so – you know, my question is, what is Georgia like? And I tweet this out. Like, every time we question Georgia, they show up in a big way. A few weeks ago, they're, they're hosting Kentucky. People start picking Kentucky to win that game. Georgia goes out there and obliterates them. This past week, people start going, you know what, Florida's pretty good. I I think they can beat Georgia. So, suddenly, Georgia goes out there and obliterates them. So, I'm interested to see what the message is this week. Are people going to pick Missouri to, to maybe pull off the upset on Georgia? Because if they are... Maybe we we'll see Georgia show up and show out and be that dominant Georgia team. But we've also seen times where they haven't looked great. I mean, the fourth quarter gets offered They have to pull that one out, the, you know, fall down double digits to South Carolina to start the year. So I don't know. I don't know what Georgia is yet as a team. I know they just keep finding ways to win. But these next two weeks, playing Missouri and then having to go to Tennessee is going to be a really, really tough game for them. And, and we'll see how they come out. But, uh, you know, if we get to an SEC championship game and Georgia's there, uh, who matches up better? Probably LSU because they can, you know, the offense, they can score at will. And uh, we saw Georgia's defense play really well against them in the SEC championship game last year. But remember that second half? I mean, Georgia still had their starters in, and LSU was still going down and scored points, even though they were behind by so much at that point. But um, it, it'll be interesting. I, I, I think, though, guys, what's so amazing is in the summer, everybody predicted automatically, we just penciled in Georgia-Alabama in the, in the SEC title game. What if I told you Missouri and LSU both pull off upsets this weekend? We could be talking about an LSU-Missouri SEC title game in Atlanta.
3: And so now, deep diving into that Missouri team a little bit, you mentioned some guys there, but I mean, what is it that Eli Drinkwitz has figured out, and, and are they for real, or is this kind of a flash in the pan for Drinkwitz and those Tigers?
6: No, I think that I think they're real the real deal. Like Brady Cook, you got to give him credit. He has really settled in and, and become more confident. That they're protecting the offensive line is, has been very good. Uh, but it starts with Cody Schrader, man. I mean, that's a kid that was in a transfer portal. I think he played like Division Two Truman State, and, and that kid has been phenomenal ever since he stepped on campus. And to talk about him and Ray Davis being right up there as, as the top two rushers in, in the SEC right now. Um, is it, saying something again, the, the weapons that he's got, Luther Burden, you know, the big five star number one receiver in the country a year ago. Ever since he stepped on campus at Missouri, every time he gets the football, he's electric and doing something special. So, yeah, I, I think Drinkwitz has really figured out something there. Now, now, Carson Beck at Georgia, he has taken strides, he has looked more, you know, better week in and week out. And even without Brock Powers, I thought he was phenomenal against Florida this past weekend. So, uh, you know, he could always come back down to earth and play a bad game. And if that happens, how does Georgia win? You know, do, do they find themselves, uh, you know, in a game with Missouri this weekend? What if Carson Beck makes that big mistake and throws an interception or turns the ball over? I think it could get very interesting. But, yeah, again, I just – I give Drinkwits credit because I know he got that extension at the end of last year. And we're all going wait, an extension. He's a guy a lot of us <laughs> maybe had on the hot seat. Yeah. But he figured it out, man, and Mizzou is actually a, a force in the SEC East right
1: now. Talking to Chris Gordy of the Locked On SEC podcast today on Sports Gone. Chris, we'll we'll start to wrap things up with this. Uh, we, you just mentioned the coaching hot seat. And I, I feel like uh, – let's talk a little hot seat for a second. You being in the Houston area, which is obviously not far from College Station, you're going to be more – have to talk about this and the rest of us although i think we can all kind of figure out the tea leaves just where are we at on the jimbo fisher dynamic there at texas a&m and and uh, i mean how uh i i know the seats warm i mean are are we looking at the last year of this well, where are we at on jimbo fisher
6: it, it all depends on what the expectations of the big oil and oil and gas the, the big money people are that that are the big boosters over there at uh at A&M, um, you know, I asked Cole Kublik about this over the summer. I said, I said, is he safe at seven and five? Cole said no. Um, you know, other people have said seven and five, he keeps his job. The problem is they're five and three guys. They got road trips at at Ole Miss and at LSU left on the schedule, and we'll see the Ole Miss one this weekend. If they if they lose in Oxford, I do not think they're going to beat LSU. Somebody brought up, oh, well, they beat LSU a couple times in recent years. Yes, but they've never beaten them in Baton Rouge. Uh, since a And M has come to, back to the conference, they've never beaten LSU at Baton Rouge. So, if that holds true, and he loses to Ole Miss, and he loses to LSU, and he finishes seven and five, is that enough for Jimbo to keep his job? It's disappointing. Now it's a step forward from where they were a year ago, right? So Jimbo can, can go to the you know the school president and say, "Look, I, I improved over my win total from last year, and I lost my starting quarterback. Hunter Wegman got hurt only a few games into the season, so you can't get rid of me for this." It's all about what the big money people want to do. And, again, if they think that there's a bigger name out there, I'm just throwing a name out there. If Urban Meyer calls and says, you know what, I'll come coach at College Station or or somebody like that, I think the Aggies will will put up the money. They'll pay the the ridiculous buyout, and and they will move on. I mean, I I just don't get it. Like, if you watch A&M, the way Jimbo coaches, God, it's like he's coaching still in 2009, and and it's 2023, guys. Like It's like Jimbo hasn't turned the page and joined the modern age of college football. But – We'll see what happens. Again, he's definitely a name to watch, but if he goes 7-5, and five, in my opinion, I wouldn't fire him. It's just you can't fire a coach for going 7-5. and five. But then again, I think Texas, out of that COVID year, fired Tom Herman when he went 7-3. and three. So, you know, there's precedent for it.
1: It's, it t- continues to be one of the most fascinating uh, coaching decisions there in College Station. and Of course, we'll continue to be monitoring that. Uh, throughout these last few weeks chris gordy locked on sec with us today on the program chris as always we appreciate the time what do you have going on with the locked on sec podcast the rest of the week and how can our listeners uh watch the show
6: yeah we'll be getting thick into the uh the alabama lsu game and breaking down some of the numbers throughout the week and uh just locked on sec wherever you get your podcasts we're on youtube now and uh, yeah we got the video version and the audio version and uh Going to have my buddy Chris Marler on the show on Wednesday, and he's a big Bama homer, so we'll, we'll get his <laughs> perspective. I've heard he's jumping ship already. He thinks LSU's going to win, so we'll talk about it throughout the
1: week. That that sounds like a lot of fun. He's Chris Gordy of the Locked On SEC Podcast. Again, Chris, we really appreciate the time today, and we look forward to talking to you again down the line. All
6: right, guys, stay warm out there.
1: Absolutely, will do. Chris Gordy here today with us on Sports Call. Appreciate Chris for jumping on. Yeah, uh, yeah, some big uh, big games come up in the league finally. We've had a week or two where you've kind of had maybe a rivalry game like a Florida-Georgia last weekend, but just not with the programs in the right spots or at least one of the programs in the right spot. But this weekend, big game in the East, big game in the West. We'll get into that a little bit later in the week for sure. We're going to take our first time out of the 4 o'clock hour when we come back. More from the Auburn-Mississippi State game on Saturday. You're listening to the Monday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
0: Sports Call is on the air weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m.
3: If you are currently driving in a four-door sedan, roll up the windows and turn up the radio.
0: We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show.
2: I'm Jeff Whitaker Jr., former Auburn Tigers defensive tackle
0: and national champion, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
1: Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brent Daughtry, Tom Peavy with you here on this Monday. Beautiful Monday. Again, the temperatures will be a-changing. You heard uh, Chris reference that. It's already happened in Texas. And uh, we're going to be dropping pretty significantly here the next couple of days. I know a lot of people are excited about it. I'm here for it. Uh, So, yeah. No, just a matter of hours. Just bring your jacket orc to tomorrow. Uh, So... Yeah, uh, but appreciate Chris Gordy for joining us. Again, talking about a lot of different SEC things there, including Auburn, uh, including a couple big matchups, which we'll get to later in the week. It is that time of the year to start talking hot seats. Uh, there's a team that Auburn has on their remaining schedule that definitely has a head coach on the hot seat. And so uh, we'll, be, we'll be getting into that a little bit later in the week too. But I want to continue talking about what we saw inside of Jordan-Hare Stadium on Saturday between Auburn and Mississippi State. We've gone over uh, the first half successes. We'll get to the second half woes in just a little bit. Uh, I do want to talk a little bit more defense too, and just the dynamic how that played out. Kind of an interesting game because there was a couple big plays to be had by Mississippi State. There was, it, it was not very many here. Six yards, eight yards, five yards, four yards, six yards for their for their drive or two that were successful. It was more like. Thirty-seven yard pass incomplete, incomplete. Fifteen yard run incomplete, incomplete. Field goal. I mean, you know, I mean, it was right. it was something in there. Um, but overall, you saw the difference in Mike Wright versus Will Rogers. Uh, I asked Eugene Asante about it in the post game, and um, they were very aware of Rogers' capabilities and what he had done against Auburn the last couple of weeks. So they were absolutely preparing for that. But obviously, they pre- prepared pre- uh, pretty well. Uh, for Mike Wright. uh, Again, thoughts on the defense. I know Mississippi State's offense with what they actually had out there was not exactly going to turn heads, but still a productive day from the defense.
2: Yeah, the defense gave you what we've come to expect from this defense, especially against an offense that is as hobbled as Mississippi State's has been. I think that Auburn's defense has played pretty well all year long, outside of a couple of moments, but I think overall they've proven that they can keep you in games. They can do what a defense needs to do, and to this point, uh, I definitely the defense in this game, they, they get a, if I'm assi- to assign them a letter grade, B plus, A, somewhere in there, um, certainly good enough, I think.
1: Tom, thoughts on defense? Again, just trying to, you know, giving up a couple big plays but was
3: good in the red zone and, again, just 13 points is going to yeah. win a lot of games. Yeah, it is. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to say bend but don't break. They're, they haven't really been a bend but don't break type defense. I mean, they've been pretty shut down. Uh, against almost everybody except for LSU, in this one, yeah, you give up a couple plays, but you bear down and you you get, you know, you get the stops when you need to. You're gonna have, I don't, I mean, even the best defenses out there are gonna have some times where plays get away from them. There's a missed assignment and something happens. So, I, I'm not sweating it. Uh, it's it's been the strong suit of this team all season long, uh, and it's going to be the the strong suit that that carries Auburn to. Potentially some wins, and as Chris Gordy was saying, th- there is there is that real possibility that you have a seven win team, a seven win Auburn team going into the Iron Bowl. That that is a very real possibility. Um, the reason that that would happen is going to be because the defense keeps doing what they've been doing, and the offense is able to maybe click and score enough. But the defense is what's going to is what this team is going to ride to have that success and to get bowl eligible. What was funny to me about Mike Wright was and I'll give a what I
1: was impressed by the Auburn defense. Mike Wright again would and in Freeze referenced this earlier day, Wright would make a really, really nice throw. I mean, he'd make like a thirty yard uh deep crosser that as he threw it, like if your vantage points from the end zone, the receiver has not yet passed the D B yet and he'd throw it and yeah. then it's perfectly receiver who just passed the DB. I mean, can, kind of the, almost like the throwing open stuff that you see in the NFL. Right, that's like, what I was going to say throwing what, them what, open. A, what a throw. And then all of a sudden, the next pass. I'm not even sure who it was
6: too <laughs>
1: it, it would just yeah. kind of go straight in the ground I was like okay awesome uh, so you could tell that the play-to- play stuff was not there what I what I liked about Auburn's defense was Mississippi State did try a couple of tricky things with an athletic quarterback they did gate quarterback runs which were successful but I recall there was a fourth-and-one read option. Well, they ran into each other? Well, I'm getting to that in a second. There was a fourth-and-one read option. Wright could have given it, and if he gave it, it was probably first down, but he kept it. Yeah. Well, Auburn accounted for the quarterback perfectly. He slipped. He lost three yards into possession. What you're thinking of, the third and five or six in scoring range, they try to reverse, and the receiver kind of runs into each other. They run into each other, and it slows them down. Seeing that, though, Auburn had it anyway. Even if there's no, even if there's no hesitation, yes, he might get around the first player. Auburn had three on the edge. They two DBs had one out on the edge, and they had that contained. I mean, it was it was perfect defense. So the couple of times Mississippi State had important late down situations, tried a little something different. Auburn contained it very well, and that's something you got to do against a running quarterback is not let them get outside and get these huge massive games. I know Wright still had a couple within the game, but in the key moments, uh, Auburn stopped them there in late downs.
3: Yeah, that's the. There's been a lot of things that have impressed me with Auburn's defense, but the one thing that I have seen on numerous occasions, and again. I'm going to discount uh, a lot of the play. The majority of the performance against LSU I'm going to discount, and I'm going to discount a lot of uh, what Jackson Dart was able to do with Ole Miss against him. For the most part – Auburn's defense has been able to – they've been really good at staying home on those plays that go to the edge. Mm-hmm. Anything that gets towards the sideline, they are able to stay at home. It's You just mentioned it. They go to the edge. There's three dudes sitting there waiting for them. I have seen that happen time and time again where with Auburn's defense where somebody will try to get out to the, onto the outsides, and there's at least two or three dudes there waiting, and they can string that out to the sideline, or they just come up and make the tackle. Um, they've been great at that. Now, again, not all the time because Jackson Dart and uh, with Ole Miss and then LSU, they were able to exploit some of them not being there and, and making some runs. But for the most part, they've done a great job of, of staying at home, staying where they need to be, and not letting get anything on that outside to where a guy can turn the corner and then use his athleticism to get to make a play down the field. There's always somebody it feels like right there waiting on them. And then, of course, they're tackling – you can get out there and you can have guys there, but you still got to make the tackle. I've seen a lot of defenses can have guys out there and all of a sudden they can't get the guy down. The, this defense has been, for the most part, a very good tackling team.
2: Yeah, I think part of it is the the kind of defense that Auburn's playing. I, we've touched on guys like Jalen McCloud and Elijah McAllister so far this year, how they haven't really been spectacular in pass rush, but they have been really good at setting the edge. And that's, to Tom's point, they are able to, to to hold that space and to not get outflanked and Auburn's also playing some really fast linebackers right now. They've got some pretty good linebackers in that front seven, and then I think there's the other symptom of it is your secondary is really good at tackling. You've got a couple of safeties that are not afraid to come up and help. Uh, Donovan Kaufman has been, frankly, better as a safety close to the line than he has in any actual kind of pass coverage this year. Um, so. Yeah, absolutely. I think that the tackling is fantastic from Auburn's defense, and I expect that to continue moving forward. I, I really like what the defense is able to do with what they have right now.
1: Yeah, uh, again, the, as you guys were mentioning, really the only performance that was poor for Auburn's defense this year so far has been LSU, and uh, you know Chris Gordy hit on it. I actually agree with that opinion. I actually think Jay Daniels should be the Heisman front runner too. Uh, over Penix and I, I don't. This is not a oh anti Penix because Penix is great and Washington football. I promise you would not be undefeated without Michael Penix. Penix is awesome, uh, but I do kind of agree with that sentiment that even in the Florida State game, I was looking it up a little bit earlier just to remind myself. Daniels counted for four hundred ten yards in that game, yeah. and so I know he didn't have the the touchdowns they needed in the red area. Uh, but and we certainly know how the Ole Miss game was lost. It was not LSU's offense, uh, so I, I, I'm not too caught up in the losses. Now I think that Daniels will either be first or he will not win it. Period. Depending on how the Spam game goes, because I do think they need to win. This is just how the award is. But I do recall Robert Griffin the Third winning with like an eight and four Baylor team, uh, eight nine ten years ago, whenever So I, I I don't want to always be maybe most valuable player in a good team award, but. You know, I certainly think that Auburn is excused for th- that poor defensive performance analysis because of what Daniels is. Uh, whether or not he's the front runner still a Heisman candidate. So the good news is there's, that does not exist on Vandy and on Arkansas huh. and really on Alabama oh, either. Uh, so th- that is good news in, for the Auburn defense. But again, I think it was look, I, I know that, again, we're not talking about achievements that mean Auburn goes on and wins. I mean, obviously they've already lost four times, so they can't go and win anything of significance this year other than the Iron Bowl. But uh, I, I'm not saying that this is, you know, an A plus look at this elite thing here. But there are opportunities to slip up against anybody, and they still felt like they were always control of the game. Gave up a little bit in the fourth quarter as they get, you know, had to be on the field a little bit more, but again i think the defense has uh, earned their marks each and every game this year and uh, did another good job on saturday we're gonna head to our next time out the show when we come back we will get into the fourth quarter conversation uh, auburn being a little bit more conservative in the fourth obviously mississippi state hanging around we'll talk about uh just just everything we thought with auburn offense there in the fourth and why it changed and Uh, What would be the move next time if they were in a similar situation? You're listening to the Monday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
0: Call into the show. Send us your thoughts via email. You've got mail. Sports call at thetiger.fm. Let's get back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Feel free to give us a call at 334-887-3401 or toll-free at 1-888-TIGER9.
1: Welcome back to SportsCon, Tiger95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, and Brent Daughtry with you here on this Monday edition of the program. If you want to give us a call today to join the Orthopedic Clinic phone line, 334 887 3401 locally or toll free. 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Coming up in the 5 o'clock hour of the Sports Call 5 at 5, presented by the Southeastern Land Group, also a best and worst of the weekend. We continue on talking and reviewing the Auburn-Mississippi State game. We've gone through most of the good so far. Let's look at the, the most notable uh, poor thing, which was the, the fourth quarter. Obviously, no points for Auburn in the fourth three in the second half. Uh, they did have just the one offensive drive in the third quarter which did yield about a 50-yard drive that's a field goal then obviously nothing doing in the fourth quarter except for a couple long runs there at the the very very end uh on the two minutes left something like that uh so again let's give our thoughts i know we've already given them some and bits and pieces and that sort of thing but obviously you don't have points in the fourth which is just not a recommended thing unless it's already like 42 to seven then you don't don't care at all uh but this was a close enough game to where it could have potentially mattered it ended up not His Auburn defense did get the, the stop or two they needed at the end but again overall thoughts there with the fourth quarter how it was handled
2: yeah I, you know I, I went back and I looked at uh, what little I could find of it. it there's just a ton of well let's just run the ball at the middle and hope something happens yeah I hope something good happens but there's also Hugh Free said he didn't want to put the ball in dangerous spots. They do throw the ball. They threw the ball a couple of times, and you know there's one specific play that I saw where it's third and seven. Camden Brown runs a, a six yard stop route and has to turns his back to the line, to the first down line and has to come back to the ball and is hit. It's a it's a gain of five on third and seven, and that's the kind of thing where if if they had just run the ball in the fourth quarter i'd say man that's way too conservative right. but you still got the win but his the the reasoning of we don't we didn't want to put the ball in the air because something crazy could happen well you did put the ball in the air you threw the ball it, this this occurred you did it um and and you still refused to do it after that even though your quarterback was playing the game of his life and clearly, you were going up against the defense that had struggled against it. I don't. It, it's just a. It's a mindset thing, right? To me, a two-touchdown lead in the fourth quarter is not the time to sit on the ball. It is. It is the time to say, "Hey, let's extend this. Let's go get more points." Because at that point, that game is still very much in question. When it's what, 27 to 13 in with 15 minutes left to go in the game, something like that that is still a game that is still a very much in question football game regardless of how bad the other team is um so yeah just a little bit too conservative for me um again i can't be too mad at it cuz you won the game anyway but going forward i would like to see something different for sure
3: yeah um again i'm going to say i watched what what he said uh, i don't know what reporter that was that asked the question today that he freeze like really kind of got angry-ish. I know who it was. Don't need to be talking about it. Was it you? Nope. No. Huh. Well, anyway, <laughs> a question was asked, and, and Hugh Freeze did not like the question, obviously, and, and he was very kind of angrily answering the question. And he was talking about – well, he talked about the third quarter, how they only had the one possession, and it was a score. And he's like, in the fourth, he was talking about where they took over and how they had bad field position and, you know – and, again, that's what I, – I get it. I understand. But, uh, man, it's like – yeah, that game was – it didn't feel like it was just completely in the bag. Uh, maybe they thought so over there. Maybe they thought it was in the bag. I don't know. I I wanted to see more. And it's like you have this opportunity. You've got a defense that is on the ropes, a defense that is on the heels – you're having again, like you said, Peyton Thorne's having one of the best days of his of his career so far here at Auburn. Open it up, let let's see what you got. You know, screw screw running the the points up or whatever. If somebody wants to say that, it's like open that thing up. I, you know, I get the down a distance thing and where you're starting, and but it just it it just felt so conservative. It felt Tommy yeah. Tuberville-ish. It, yeah. it, it felt very. Let's just take the foot off the accelerator and let's just ride this thing out. That's what it felt like. I didn't like it. I wanted to see them keep stretching the field. Listen, if you make a mistake, your defense is doing fine. Your defense has been making plays. There's not really a need to just keep just, you know, run, 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 punt, run, 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 punt. Maybe throw a pass in here and then run, 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 punt. Mm, I, I wanted to see more. I, and again, I'm going to say it again, I understand what you is saying in the press conference. I understand that. I don't agree with it. I, I think that you still have to be super aggressive and, and you know men, let it fly. let let the boys play. let the, cut it loose. How, whatever little analogy thing you know that you want to say, cut it loose, let it fly, let them play, you know let it all hang out, whatever. That just was that fourth quarter was just brutal. It was not fun to watch. Let me just play
1: devil's advocate because okay, it for the it. the reasoning he freeze gave was I believe two of the three or three of the four, they start inside their own 15, which again verified that that was true. They had one that started sure. out the 30, and they had a fourth and one they could have gone for, didn't. Um, say devil's advocate, drop back the pass, sack, fumble. Recovered at the two-yard line. Sure. Touchdown, Mississippi State, 27-20. Say Auburn still wins. Yeah. Say Auburn still wins, 27-20. What, what's the attitude today on the show like? I'm just curious. I'm just curious. Like what? Say they still won. I'm not even going DEFCON 1 and saying they just absolutely blew the whole lead. But say one of those sequences, it is a fumble or a turnover of any kind, 10-yard, 5-yard, 15-yard field, touchdown. And it's a one-possession game. As unlikely as that might be. Right. And still, right, hot turnovers, still not high probability outcomes. They're, they're still having a couple percent of the time,
3: but if it had happened, yeah, and, and and I could see the potential in that case. You're like, run the dang ball. What are we doing? Why are we throwing? We're we're up, you know, we're up. Just you know, our offense stinks for the most part. Run the dang ball and let's get out of there. I I get it, but it just it it felt like because of the way the offense had been playing that. They were building the confidence. They were building that continuity. They had, they had some things working. They had some things clicking. And then it's like, okay, cool. We've already done enough of that. We're not going to do it anymore. And yeah. I'm like, ah, no, keep clicking.
2: Keep I, I clicking.
3: Feel,
2: but, I feel like if Auburn's offense had struggled and managed to put up 27 points anyway, in that case, then yes, I would say that. And I would be upset at that decision, but in that game, it just really didn't feel like a turnover was going to happen. The flow of that game was the offense was in rhythm. Peyton Thorne was on fire. I would have I would have rather died by handing over the keys than say death by a thousand paper cuts because your defense can't stay off the field because your offense can't stay on it.
3: And that's what concerned me, is that the the more that that offense just could not or would not seem to move the ball. Yeah, that. Mississippi State's going to make a play, and they and it, they darn near did right there in the yeah. fourth quarter where really. they just didn't complete the pass. You know, you start really getting into some sketchy situations where, you know, they make a play here, they make a play there, and all of a sudden now you're chewing your fingernails off. And now you have lost your continuity because you have now decided to go away from what was working and you're doing this one. Well, now we've got to go back and reset, and let's hope that we can find it again. Well, you already had it. Yeah. You, you had it. There's no need to then have to turn around and go, "Let's hope we can Peyton Thorne can figure out how to throw a forward pass again because we had just quit doing it." And, you know, he's doing a great job and we've gone away from it. Let's just hope now that he can still throw a forward pass because now we've allowed a score and we need to kind of stretch this thing out. No, man, keep the foot on the accelerator, dude. Go. That's what sure. like I said. I'm just Look
1: hang, Let it hang out, man. Obviously, I want more points, too, okay? Because I was telling Brooks in the press box, I'm like, man, I just want one more score, so it's not, you know, like just they evened out the full game They rounded it out. I get it. I totally get it. Um, I think this was born out of I, – I, I'm going to say it was born out of one other thing that Hugh Freeze did not suggest. It's just going to be my opinion. I do think that the real thing was that he trusted the defense, and I just think that they were – a little too maybe too worried about a turnover i think that they in my opinion if if i was in the situation and i went that way which was the more conservative route i would have been concerned that if there is a big mistake it just undid a full game of progress confidence wise yeah like if you do make the mistake inside your own 10 or 15 even if it doesn't quite result in a full-on comeback that undoes what was a really good Peyton Thorne game. And in a week where they had interviewed him, because he's done a couple straight weeks of interviews now, and he was talking a little bit earlier last week about trying to find a rhythm and he's been trying to do too much and it was hurting his confidence. It would have been very upsetting to have a really negative play at the end of it, to potentially deter confidence moving forward. Maybe it wouldn't have, and and that's a hypothetical that's that's not going to be known, but I think they were worried, too, about undoing some progress on top of hanging in with the game. The thing is, too, because Brant mentioned they did throw a few times, I could sense Freeze was frustrated at the very end and because they did that weird third and 25 and chucked it and threw. I think that was him just being irritated that they had done nothing in the second half right. and that they want – I think he kind of wanted to score without trying full blast to score because I think he was frustrated too. But the couple passes they did throw, you know, the Camden-Brown play, you know, that's a matter of if, you, if you run one more yard or you throw it half a count sooner, you get a first down. Right. And, and I don't know what happens with the rest of the drive. I mean, that would probably be rinse and repeat where it would be third and make a decision on pass or not pass. But they mis-execute that by a yard. And then they have a third and three, they get two. And it's fourth and one, they punt. And then they have, when they were really backed up, they were at their own nine, I think, on third and seven, I want to say. They threw a play-action pass to, I think, Brandon Frazier. And it was complete. It was a first down, legal man downfield. Then it was third and 12 at your own four or five-yard line. And so even within that, they were – yay close to actually still moving chains and I, again, I can't predict what's going to happen the rest of those drives but getting out of the shadow of their own goal, po- goal post to where they could have put the test, their philosophy and if they really wanted another touchdown badly or the throw or not but I will say of the five or six throws <laughs> we saw Thorne in the second half he was still looking pretty good, and that's also why it's fair to say, well, if you'd kept throwing, I, I have no reason to think he would have all of a sudden just had a huge, hugely bad moment. I mean, it's right. fair to think that with what we still saw the second half that he was still dialed in.
3: But, but see, and, and but like the things that you're talking about, it, and I think we said that we don't want to say that it was too scared or scared of making a mistake and too scared to really push it. That's what it makes it sound like. Well, we're afraid we might make a – huge screw up here and give mississippi state some momentum well then don't play don't play scared don't be scared to stretch it out don't be scared that Thorne is going to suddenly look like jeremy johnson don't 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 be scared that jarquez hunter is going to cough the ball up for scoop and score don't be scared that the wide receivers are suddenly going to get a case of butterfingers that's going to lead to a deflected interception. You know, don't be scared that the offensive line is going to suddenly not be able to block for for Peyton Thorne. It's like if you if you have the confidence in what's been going on, then keep riding with it. Don't be scared that a mistake is gonna happen. But now also understand being cautious. You've got you've got a lead, you feel like your defense can handle it. And again, this is why I say I, I understand. I understand the philosophy. I just don't agree with it because you've got the lead. Your defense is playing great. They don't have their top quarterback or their top running back. You really don't think that they're going to make a comeback on you. So why really take the chances when you feel pretty confident in what you got? So, like I said, I understand, don't agree.
2: I think it's also important to note that while we're debating this, it's not either your full-on pedal to the metal, we're throwing it 30 yards downfield every play, or you're just handing it off an inside zone every time. There's a, there's a spectrum to how aggressive you can be. Oh, sure. And I'm okay with taking a little bit off and trying to chew some clock. I just I feel like it, in the fourth quarter, and to Ryan's point, they did try a couple of things that got called back or didn't work or whatever or were misexecuted. whatever the cause was. I, I still feel like they just got a little bit too close to that edge of overly conservative when I still wanted to see I would I would I, w- I wasn't expecting Auburn to come out and post another twenty four points in the second half and I would be I'm okay that they didn't. but to only post three feels like you did go into a shell a little bit. And I think, I, I think that there are ways to manage a game where you aren't taking as many risks, but you're still able to at least pick up chunk plays. You're still able to put some points on the board and chew the clock at the same time. Yeah.
3: I, I think the other thing that, is, that frustrates me a lot of times is on the third down uh, play call. that's one thing we have, ju- we have just harped on this offense and their inability to convert third downs. I haven't seen the numbers. I don't know what their third down numbers were like in this game. I would assume they're probably better than we have been seeing but uh it it feels like on third it's, they get in third down i understand that it has four to of do, 11 Four, see that's still not very good on third down um i understand that you're down a distance dictates what you do i get that but it, it feels like they are just it feels like almost every time on third down it feels like to me that they're just running the ball and it's like Let's just run it and not screw up, and let's just get out of here and let's punt it, and maybe we can play some field position. And, like, I, you know, maybe you're like, hey, it's a pa- it's third down, it's a passing down. Maybe we can sneak a run in here and trick them. Well, you're not tricking anybody because it goes nowhere. And it's like you would have been better off maybe trying to convert a pass, and if it goes incomplete, well, you're right back where you are when you just got stopped for no gain anyway. So it's the well, third, again, I, the third
1: downs just bother me. I, again, I gave you the three third downs that they had to punt on in the second half. Right, and again, two of the three were passes. Right, and one was a yard short, and one was
3: executed correctly it, but a, a a illegal downfield. Yeah, So yeah. I, I and and I'm I'm not just necessarily specifically I guess talking about this game. I'm talking about the propensity of what sure. we have seen kind of overall uh, that has bothered me with their third downs. And it's just they it's their third down offense is just not good no it's not it is bad it's really really bad and i like said it feels like they just they, a lot of times they're not taking real chances to try to convert it they're just let's get a play and not screw up and punt it away well and, and look some of that is
1: is the play calling and the decision run pass some of that too by the way though is that when they really have to run the ball they don't. No, they don't they, they do not do it successfully, yeah. but that, that's really been the, been the key, I think, multiple times in multiple games. We are out of time for hour number two. When we come back, we start the 5 o'clock hour by going to the orthopedic clinic phone line, and just after that, a little bit more uh, from college football this weekend. We'll hit on one or two other things from the weekend and also get to our best and worst of the weekend. You're listening to the Monday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
0: Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final
1: hour of Sports Call starting right now, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brent Dantry, and Tom Peavy with you here on this Monday edition of the program as we continue on. uh, We've reviewed a lot of Auburn and Mississippi State here. Uh, We've gone through everything from Peyton Thorne performance to uh, defensive performance to fourth quarter debate and that sort of thing. If you missed any of that, go back and check it out on the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola. If you ever miss Sports Call Live or if you want to hear something again, Make sure you go back to listen to our show on demand wherever you get your podcast. Join Ice Cold Coca-Cola to go along with the hottest sports talk. Coca-Cola tastes the feeling. And, of course, the Sports Call podcast is available on SoundCloud, Stitcher, or not Stitcher anymore. Google Play, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Tiger Communications app. I've, that's the first time I've said Stitcher in two months. Stitcher's no longer with us. Yeah. So
2: Rest in peace, Stitcher. Yep,
1: so... Hopefully you have found an alternative method to listening uh, from Stitcher there. But, uh, can but we, can,
2: If you ever listen to this show on Stitcher, call in and tell us. Because like, <laughs> I, I had never heard of Stitcher before we had to I upload, never, upload the podcast to it.
1: Yeah. Uh, and I, I listen to podcasts all the time. And now people uh, never will. So anyway, it, uh, it was up. It I, I wonder why honest. it went out of
2: business. <laughs> I, I think I can think of a
1: reason or three. Yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. So uh, let's start off here the five o'clock hour by going back to the orthopedic clinic phone line at 334-887-3401, locally or toll free one triple eight nine at Tiger Nine. Next up on the program today, James from Montgomery. James is with us. James, how are you this afternoon?
7: I'm good. In War Eagle. War Eagle. Yeah, I know that y'all were talking about uh, Peyton Thornton, and he looks like a quarterback right now. I I saw some highlights from uh, from over the weekend, and he looks like a, a quarterback that Auburn needs to keep as well.
1: Well, uh, yeah, no, he certainly did look like a quarterback on Saturday, and he uh, he played played really good football. Uh, first complete game against Power 5 team was given the opportunity to do so, and, and not a lot of rotating quarterback, obviously, so he looked really
7: good. Yes, as well, because with Peyton Thornton and uh, Hugh Freeze, Hugh Freeze looks like a head coach that uh, really wants to stay at Auburn. So I'm just going to see how we're going to do this weekend when we play against uh, Vanderbilt. Because I know Vanderbilt, I've seen them play over the weekend, and I think that Auburn has their numbers uh, spread out around the sheets that that they're going to look at. So I have to look at the standings and um, the record that – um, that Vanderbilt actually is going to going to actually play, but I don't I don't think Vanderbilt's going to win this one as well. So this is going to be a a new and improved Auburn team that we're going to look towards uh, between now and bowl week. That's going to be coming sometime real soon for Auburn as well.
1: Oh yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, Vanderbilt has been struggling the year. They have <laughs> they do not have an SEC win. And they are two and seven. They haven't absolutely gotten demolished every single time out. But uh, again, they 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 do not have an SEC win this year.
7: Yes, as well because I was uh, looking at some other games uh, while I was watching Auburn and uh, Old Miss. I was looking at um, I was looking at uh, Georgia and Florida, and I was uh, rooting for Florida. But I don't. I mean, this, this was a tight game because I know it was in Jacksonville, Florida. <laughs> for uh you know for the University of Florida but I think they're going to make a bounce back on this one as well.
1: Yeah, Georgia I know Florida <clears> scored <throat> first in that one but that was about all she wrote for the Gators. Georgia uh, stepped on it from that point on, won decisively and that's been happening a lot this year with Georgia as far as the bigger games they had played. The bigger the game the better they played for the most part this year and uh, they took that game seriously and Florida was out of that thing by early third quarter.
7: Yes, as well, because I know with this game uh, that's coming up this weekend for Alabama, I got LSU beating Alabama here in Tuscaloosa, so I don't see a win for Nick Saban at home against uh LSU, so I think LSU is looking good, like the LSU team that I've seen over the year. So I think LSU is going to beat uh, the Crimson Tide at home in their in their home stadium in front of their home fans uh, this weekend as well.
1: Yep, definitely home stadium and home fans. That definitely uh, adds up. I think that LSU is has got enough offense for it. We'll see though if they can play any defense. I know Alabama's offense has not been pristine this year. Milrow has his. Weaker moments, but LSU's defense has been bad, and uh, we were talking to Chris Gordy, blocked on SEC earlier this uh, mm-hmm. this show, and, and he said LSU's dealing with a lot of injuries defensively right now. So I think it's going to be a very competitive game, uh, but we'll see we'll see how it uh, how it falls.
7: Yes, as well because I'm going to be looking at uh, North Carolina because I know that's uh, uh team. I'm going to be looking at North Carolina and Duke as well, and uh, seeing what. Uh you know, with the head coach from uh Auburn. I think it's uh, Gus Malzon. Uh no, Gus Malzon is at uh UCF. So I think this is uh at uh North Carolina's uh um uh Defen-
1: defensive coordinator.
7: Uh, yes, the defensive coordinator, I forgot. Our uh, our head coach. Gene at- Chizik Yes, so I'm going to be uh, seeing how Gene is actually going to do uh, in the defensive coordinator spot. I know he's doing really good over there in North Carolina, so I I might look at. I'm looking at North Carolina as a bowl favorite, but I'm just going to see uh, what their record is at the end of their season as well. So I'm just going to put them in a bowl spot. I'm going to put them in like maybe, you know, like the New York Six Bowl or something like that as well. Yeah,
1: unfortunately for North Carolina, they were they were definitely on track for that type of bowl game 2 weeks ago when they were 6-0 and number 10 in the country, but they've had two horrendous losses in a row and are not ranked and and they shouldn't <clears> be. They they've had two really bad losses. They will make a bowl game, but it will not be a great one at this point
7: yes as well because i'm looking at some of the other schools as well i'm going to be looking at uh uh Dustin Alvon and seeing uh what he's going to do for uh, ucf and um i'm actually putting them in a bowl game as well maybe i'm putting them like in the in the uh tortitos in the Tortitos bowl or the um the um it's another bowl game now like uh the um uh i bowl game they play out like in um, Tampa somewhere
1: oh uh, I mean I know they got like the little ReliaQuest Bowl I I don't forgot what it's not the Outback Bowl anymore Uh, they, they changed the names of the Tampa Bowls but you want them in one of the Tampa Bowls
7: Yes, as well. If if they can't make it into a Tampa Bowl in Tampa, Florida, I might as well put them like in the um, Cheez-Its Bowl. That's the one I was thinking of. Uh, yeah. I, I love, Yes, I love that one as well because um, I've been watching the Cheez-Its uh, college bowl games for years. I like the name. Uh, it's a really good uh, bowl game. I think that one should stay as well. So you like Cheez-Its then James? Yes, I love Cheez-Its. I love I love like the the uh ranch Cheez-Its Whoa. as well.
1: All right, that's a that's a little uh, less than mainstream there, but but I like it. Uh, do you remember when they had the uh, Kellogg's Frosted Flakes bowl? Was that a favorite?
7: Yes, that was one of my first favorites of all cuz that's that's one of the best ones as well, but I don't even know if they still have that one out. Um, I know they do one in Mobile. The one that I like in Mobile is really nice as well.
3: Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of great well, bowl games. Well, I was, I was going to say, James, uh, if Gus Malzahn and Central Florida are going to have to get on it because uh, right now they are 3-5. and five. They have lost five in a row. So if they're going to get to a bowl game, they're going to have to find some wins here. And they've got some pretty tough games coming up. So Gus Malzahn and the uh, Golden Knights are going to have to really get it turned around.
7: Yes, as well because I was I was actually trying to pick this uh game that was this weekend and I was just trying to say, you know what? I know Gus Malvon, I know he used to be our head coach, but I'ma give him I'ma give him the benefit of the doubt because I'm I'm right there with him and I know he has to pull some strings as well. So yeah, to so pull some strings for UCF. If not, then I'll probably pick, um, you know, the next schedule when uh, UCF uh, plays another game, and then I'll go against uh, UCF. So I'm going to just see how uh, Gus Malzahn do this week as well.
1: Yeah, it's been a tough year for them. They've had a lot go wrong for sure, and they're uh, really all the Big 12 teams that are new to the Big 12. I think they've combined for two conference wins, I want to say, maybe three between mm-hmm. BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF. So I think you can tell that difference going from a group of five conference to the Big 12. Even though the Big 12 is not a robust uh, conference this year, it's still made a big impact.
2: James, I've got yes. some I've got some bad news for you, buddy. The Cheez-Its Bowl is no more. It is now the Pop-Tarts Pop-tart, Bowl. Okay. They have changed the name of that one.
7: Oh, okay, okay. You like Pop-Tarts? Well, I love Pop-Tarts. Me too.
3: Just not
2: ranch
7: yeah.
3: Pop-Tarts. That would be gross. Yeah.
7: <laughs> <laughs> yes. And then with... The uh, World Series tonight, I have my Texas Rangers actually taking game three as well. So I'm just going to see what my Texas Rangers might do to actually uh, break this series tie. The the series tie is at one apiece, so I'm just going to see how my Texas Rangers will bounce back in game three as well. So I would take uh, the Texas Rangers in game three, four, five, and six of the World Series as well.
1: Yeah, they would. They would only need to win three more. So three, four, and five would would be enough. But uh, but yeah, that was an epic game one that they won. Being down five three in the ninth, hit the two run homer, tying it up, and then walking it off uh, Adolfo Garcia in the eleventh inning. But obviously, Arizona got them back in game two. I think this will be a very competitive series, and uh, we'll see if the, your Rangers can get it done.
7: Yeah, so if they do get it done, I'm gonna be happy, but if they're if they don't, then I'm gonna be very upset with them because I'm not gonna I'm not gonna, you know, run off to another major league baseball team so I'm gonna stick with my Texas Rangers um through through everything as well. So I got them this far, so I don't wanna abandon my team as well, so I got them this far to the World Series as well. You
1: doing anything fun for Halloween tomorrow, James?
7: Um, I'm not quite sure. I might be watching some uh, scary movies on uh, 2B TV. Okay, I would recommend that. I like scary movies. Yes, as well. So I'm going to watch uh, some really good scary movies as well. And with the Halloween thing that's going to start tomorrow, I do have a good Halloween joke. that I was going to wait for this one, but I'll probably uh, throw it out as well.
1: All right, let's hear it.
7: All right, what is a skeleton's favorite food what is
1: a skeleton's favorite food i don't know uh james we, any guesses in here no all right go go for it
7: um i will actually have to say a skeleton's favorite food is spare ribs
1: okay Aha. huh uh-huh. uh-huh. let's go
7: all right, sounds good, guys, and War will Talk to you all guys tomorrow.
1: War James. Appreciate that phone call. That is James from Montgomery joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. That's always such a treat uh, right there. It's a good joke. Yeah, absolutely. And so with that, we'll go to our next commercial break. On the other side, get back to college football, talk a couple of the big storylines from this past weekend, also get the best and worst of the weekend. You're listening to the Monday edition of Sports Call, Tiger 95.9.
0: Sports Call crew wants to hear from you. Give us a phone call at 334 887 3401. I'm Corey Grant, former Auburn football
7: and NFL running back, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
1: Welcome back to the Sports Call on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Tom PV Brant Dauntry with you here today on this Monday. Again, if you want to give us a call on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, eight nine tiger 9 Let's look at a couple of other things from around the country here uh, this weekend. Again, SEC, the biggest game was Florida-Georgia. Um, Florida scored early, looked like they were going to have a little bit of momentum, but Georgia, again, Carson Beck's been solid this year, and even without Brock Bowers, that was the first test without Bowers. Of course, they will continue to have the scale uh, ratcheted up a little bit, but Carson Beck passed the first test without Brock Bowers, and, again, Georgia continues to to seem to meet the moment whenever they're playing a a little bit higher-rated team.
2: Yeah, you know, you talked about it. Carson Beck hasn't just been solid. He's been solid, and it feels like he's been improving. He's getting better as the as the time goes on and has, you know, played himself into being one of the better quarterbacks in the SEC. And now even without Brock Bowers, you feel confident in their ability to put up points. I watched that game for a little while. Uh, when Florida scored first, I thought, okay, well, maybe, maybe we've got something. Because Florida, they really have one – I'm trying to remember what Florida's done this year. I can't remember. Um, they were five and two heading in the game. Their biggest win was Tennessee. Yeah, that's that's what I was thinking. I was thinking of Tennessee. It has been pretty good. They had one inexplicable loss to Florida. I got those two mixed up. But Florida has not been great. They have not been absolutely terrible either. Um, and the way that uh, that game started, I thought, okay, maybe maybe they can keep this game close for a little while. No, uh, Georgia Georgia pretty much put the hammer down after that, and it was a, a bit of a snoozer probably by halftime.
1: Yeah, I, I think that with Georgia, again, they – last year's team I understood when they did it. Last year's team could get bored at, at times, and they played some teams at a conference that were not good at all, yet kept them to reasonable scores that you were a little surprised by. But that was very much the same team that had won the year before, same quarterback. Uh, a lot of their defense was still there. I think they have about seven returning starters last year's team so you kind of understood that this year's team what made it different obviously was new running backs in there but also new quarterback and lost as they are starting to do every year several players to the draft the likes of Jalen Carter and, and goes on and on but y- when you lose all that you start to think okay well is this team just different and not uh, not as good and to be fair, I think it's still very possible they're not as good. However, the way they have flexed a couple of times when they needed to flex has been, uh, has been still impressive. This stretch coming up for them, that will tell us really everything we need to know. The, really, the next three games. I, I can't believe I'm saying at Missouri, but but again, there we are, the 7-1. Yeah. And, and Tom, I know you asked the question to Chris Gordy earlier in the show, but I mean, they're 7-1 on the year, and they've they passed their test. Yeah. They host Ole Miss, which again, Ole Miss did not fare well in Bryant-Denny earlier this year, but still one-loss team with a high-powered offense. And then they're at Tennessee, which is going to be a tough place to play. I'm not sure Tennessee has... Uh, you know everything. They've not completed the game that they've needed to to have a big full game this year, but I it's mean, still it, in Neyland Stadium. Yeah, uh, it's in Neyland towards the end of the year, and I, it could. You know, I mean, that's going to be a great environment. So they're about to have their stretch here, where we'll we're, we're going to learn everything we need to know. But they still, again, I'm just, I'm just I don't know. Maybe it's the pessimism in me. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> but it's just, it's a just skepticism that they're there's going to be the right combination
3: of team to, to bring them down right I and i mean and it could bet these next three definitely they're they're going to be telling i i see i don't know what to take away from the florida game that georgia did look impressive beck looked impressive and their offense really didn't miss a beat without bowers out there i get it it's also florida i mean it's mm, they've they've seen some sparks and stuff but i mean there's a reason that millie napier is on the hot seat right now um i mean it's a florida team that was picked Uh, right above vanderbilt in the east um i you know i don't know florida has looked good at times but most of the time this year they haven't so i don't know how to gauge georgia's win over them i think we will definitely see a little bit more this weekend against missouri because i mean that is a team that just seems to be clicking on all cylinders right now but then again maybe they're not for real we'll we'll see i the the thing is it's so weird because it is georgia uh, Missouri could go in there and just absolutely get their doors blown off, and we're like, well, of course they did. It's Missouri. I mean, it's you know, it's Eli Drinkowitz. Yeah, they they just hadn't played anybody of Georgia's caliber, so of course they got their doors blown off. Or we could sit there and look at it and go, okay, well, yeah, Georgia's not really good. I don't know, um, but I'm not I'm not just I'm not going to read a whole lot into the Florida game because I just think that they're not good. Uh, and Billy Napier could be on his way out there. We'll see but it'll be interesting to see this weekend i I mean it's kind of a put up or oh no i shouldn't say put up or shut up for uh for eli drinkowitz he has gone past that point uh but it is the chance for him to actually put his flag in the ground and saying hey this isn't a fluke we are for real and and we're here to do something or it's georgia's time to plant their flag and go well we haven't gone anywhere
2: yeah, if this is if this is even a one score win for Georgia, I think I think Missouri opens up a lot of people's eyes in this one. They don't even have to win the game for me to be super impressed with what they do in this contest. They just kind of have to keep it competitive the entire time um, because we we didn't really expect anybody in the East to really compete with Georgia outside of Tennessee, and that was very conditional <clears throat> on their quarterback play being what it could be and not what it has been, which is not terrible but certainly not up to the level that we thought we would see. Um, I, I don't know, Missouri can just keep this if Missouri just makes it interesting, then certainly I'm impressed
1: Yeah, I, I still have a tendency too, and I, I certainly agree that there's still an element of, really, with, with them and, yeah. and and may and maybe that's just not fair at this point, I mean we're three or two-thirds of the way through the season, uh, their only loss is to Ellis, you know, very high scoring fair, they did lead that game at times, and uh, were, were very competitive. They did not seem outmatched. It's just maybe at that time LSU wasn't playing their best ball. I mean, that was their their really poor stretch of defense for two, three, four straight weeks. But, uh, again, 7-1 when I didn't think that they had necessarily won seven games, period, on the year, and that Drinkwood's might be in his last season, and he's validated the contract extension. And contract extensions sometimes, too, have become formalities because they're kind of the – head coach slash agent tool of I really need three to four years left and I'm going to convince these high school kids that, <laughs> that uh, they should come here because they're trying to commit to a coach as much as they are as a school or, or that sort of thing. And so really if you have less than three or four years left on your on your deal that can be a little bit of a red flag in recruiting. Therefore these agents, these coaches negotiate guys to get these extensions up at, until that point. Uh, and, and so I think that that being said, that did, was not a sign of really long-term job security for him. It was still that was still one year away from from potentially going all the way downhill. And for him, I mean, it's gone completely the other way. It's gone all the way up the hill, and they're trying to cl- climb the the East mountaintop again. Long odds to beat Georgia, but they they have a game that means a lot for the East in the month of November. I mean, first week of November. So uh, they have. Check the boxes that they've not checked since uh, Gary Pinkle was there several years ago. Uh, for Florida, yeah, you're right, Tom. I, I don't, I don't necessarily think they're. I think they're going to end up six and six probably. I think they'll beat Arkansas this weekend, and right. then they got they got Missouri, I believe. Uh, they've got Florida State, and I think they got LSU. So, I mean, I think they very easily could end up six and six, and then you see that five and two at the time. It's like, ooh, five and two, pretty good. But you kind of still with them. Looked ahead a little bit too. And you also, it's like it's Florida football. And I've talked about it a little bit, I think last week, where, you know, that name is not okay with six and six. And year one of something, six and six is fine because there is a rebuild. Sometimes that's just the the wins, loss, are not be there from the get go. But year two, you got to start trending upward at least. And they went six and six last year. So if they go six and six this year, it's no trend, it's just neutral. And they do have the recruiting classes coming in, but against Florida, the patience wears pretty thin there, as we've seen a lot of coaching turnover the last last decade or so po- post uh, Urban Meyer. So I, I mean, I don't, uh, I don't, I don't know there. The biggest national game um, of the week was Oregon Utah but Oregon, easy, Thunked. easy yeah, stuff was,
2: there. That was interesting. I expected Oregon <coughs> to have some trouble with the way Utah plays defense. They Oregon is such a pace and space, spread it out, borderline spread triple option type of team, and I thought the, the way Utah plays defense, their physicality might interrupt some of that. I mean, we, we talk all the time what inter, what what screws up the option, penetration, right? And with Oregon doing that, what screws up Oregon's version of the option, getting in their face and punching them in the mouth. And that's the type of thing that Utah wants to do. And Oregon did not have any trouble at all. Oregon was firing on all cylinders from the moment that game started. It was really impressive to watch. Um, And again, Oregon's defense continues to stand out to me as well. I know Utah's offense hasn't been world-beating this year, but every time I watch Oregon play, I know that Bo Nix is a really good quarterback. I know that they have really good skill players. I know that the Pac-12 defensive lines are not great, so they're going to be able to have success up front. But every time I watch that defense that Oregon has, Dan Lanning has really put something special together there. Oregon did lose to Utah or to Washington earlier this year. I think if they replay that game, and they can replay each other in the Pac-12 championship, on a neutral field right now, I'm picking Oregon to win that rematch. And if they do, it's very likely that we see Oregon in a playoff spot.
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I said the same thing last week that – that game to me did not feel like Washington won because they were the better team that won because they were the home team. And sometimes that happens in college football where you have 70, 75% of the home teams win that sometimes in these very even matchups, you're just going to make a road mistake. And even Dan Lanning made a mistake or two in that game because they went four and fourth down over and over again and just were not getting it. Uh, they, They get one or two of those and they, they maybe just one of those they, they win in hindsight and you know, Penix has been awesome for Washington, but they don't have the best ground game where Oregon has a really good ground game. Oh, yeah. And I still think that Oregon might have an extra tooth or two defensively. So I I hope that is the rematch in the Pac-12 title game because I think that'd be a lot of fun to watch. I think it'd be another close one. We're going to head to our next timeout of the show when we come back. Best and worst of the weekend. You're listening to the Monday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
0: You're listening to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning sports call. This is former Auburn football player Danny Skutak, and you are listening to the Abbey Award-winning sports call, Auburn.
1: Welcome back to Sports Call and Tiger ninety five point nine. Ryan Lavoy, Tom Peavy, Brand Dontry, with you here on this Monday edition of the program, and uh, we'll have to start previewing here soon. Uh, get ready for our next remote show, which is yeah. going to be next Thursday, out at the Southwest Volunteer Fire Department for the That's chili right. dinner.
3: Yeah, uh, every year uh, Southwest Fire Department does our big chili dinner, uh, big fundraiser for the department, fundraiser and raffle. And uh, it's a big family-friendly event come out eat chili listen to live music win some prizes uh, we've been busy 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 setting up um, sponsorships for it this year and uh, just yeah, getting all that legwork done and it's man it's gonna be here before you know it and it's yeah it's a great time we we normally have several hundred folks out there we always try to make it bigger and better every year and uh sports call's always been a part of it now for the last four years it seems four or five years maybe um it feels like that southwest has been out there or i'm sorry that uh sports call has been out there at southwest so uh, i i want to say this is our 12th year doing this chili dinner if i'm not mistaken um so uh it's the only time that we didn't do it was a covid year and so uh you know that was the only thing that broke the string up but uh it's a fun time uh we always have a lot of fire departments from the area with their trucks out there and uh, you know have trucks on display uh like i said have live music giveaways and some really good chili so we're looking forward to it on november the 9th
1: you know i don't know oh i because i've done it 22 21 and then 19 maybe even 18 i was here fall of 18 i don't know if i was actually there there but i don't know if i've actually had the chili tom I'm not sure.
3: Yeah, you always kind of yeah you pack up and get on out after the show's done yeah. before the the chili really gets going. Well, no, I guess chili's being yeah because we stay it. till it starts. At yeah, six. that's right. So yeah, we'll see. I don't know. I'm gonna have to change
1: about <clears> this. <throat> you have to get I, you a bowl of chili. I've been eating a lot more chili the last six months. I know that's random <laughs> uh, and
3: it's also a very arbitrary number of months. But James, if you're or not James, but Matt, if you're listening. My girlfriend will be there. She's the one that will be cooking the chili. So
1: <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Finally, make that happen. But uh, yeah, that's that's coming up just ten days from now. Hard ten d- man. Hard I can't blue. believe that. Already... It is a week or two earlier this year. It feels like too, isn't it? Uh, we, we, a week always, earlier?
3: we always, we uh, always, well, maybe a week early. Uh, right. Last year when we did it, we were really um, towing the line on the uh, Thanksgiving break and. Because our, our department has so many students that are in it. I mean, the vast majority of the Southwest Fire Department are Auburn University students that volunteer their time to be firefighters, which is a very cool thing. All the more reason for any of the listeners out there to go and support that fire department. Yes, I am a part of that fire department. Yay, I am the old guy there. Huh. The majority of them are university students that also take their time uh to uh to come and help out and so you're you're helping the department but you're also helping auburn university students uh as they uh many of them move on to fire careers after southwest many of them are just doing this because they want to and they they want to dedicate their time and then once they graduate they go into their field of study but um it's uh yeah i mean it's a good cause it's a very good cause it it helps the fire department out and uh you know it's a Volunteer fire department, but we still do everything the paid guys do uh, in the southwest portion of Lee County and portions of Auburn. Where we always help Auburn out whenever they need us. We help surrounding departments out when they need us. Uh, so yeah, it's a, it's a good cause and it's a fun night.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We look forward to being out there once again this year. Again, that's uh, next Thursday. Uh, the show will be out there three to six, and then chili dinner will be six to eight, I believe. Tom, six yeah. to eight. Yep. So, uh, we'll be out there, out and about, first time in a little while. Next Thursday, starting to wind down here. This Monday edition of the program. Time for best and worst.
0: Now, time for the best Woo-hoo!
1: and worst.
0: No. No! No! Of the weekend.
1: All right, I admittedly am unprepared. I've missed the last couple Monday shows and therefore have not uh, been as thorough in thinking about what needs to be said for best and worst. I do have a worst now. It's probably everyone's worst. Uh, So we can start with worst and start negative and then we'll uh, finish positive. So start with the worst.
3: All right, my my worst is... uh, Was yours the NHL player? No, although that's an awful worst too. Yeah, this Um, is pretty awful. So... uh, So Adam Johnson, former NHL NHL hockey player, he played for the Penguins um, for a while. Uh, He was killed, tragically, in a uh, hockey game over in England on live television. And now the crazy thing is, is when it came out, they were just saying he died in a freak accident on the ice. And I was like, okay, well, then I start seeing it, or then I start hearing more. His throat got slashed Mm -hmm. by a skate. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's terrible. I have actually seen that before. I have seen it happen before yeah. with a goalie. And I think it has happened a couple of other times because. It happened in the NHL
1: once. Zetterberg or something like that? Henrik Zetterberg was or something it? like that? It, it, it has yeah. happened because yeah.
3: the skates are very, very sharp. Yes. And there's that. However, if you watch the video, uh, the guy's name was Matt Petgrave. He may be facing charges. Yeah. Oh, this natural. was Absolutely. not an accident. No. No, really. I haven't seen. I've have not seen the video. He, this, this he skates by him,
2: and it's like the
3: best way I could say is a
2: karate kick. Yeah. He he straight. It's up, like a power kick. Like he a balances straight, balances on one leg and lifts the other leg up. They're not on the ground. Um, the, the, right. the guy who got the guy who is now unfortunately passed away. He is standing straight up and gets kicked in the throat. The I guy mean, kicks
3: him in the throat. Like this, this is a
2: guy. This is a guy I learned that has had trouble or been in trouble in the past for oh, wow. kicking and, and hitting guys illegally in hockey games. Well, I mean, he, so, may, he he very well could be facing should he, be facing charges.
3: He may be facing charges on this. And from when you watch it, that is not an accident. There's no way in hell that is a tr- quote unquote tragic accident. That looked like straight up murder um this dude high kicks this dude square in the throat and it slashed his throat um i guess it would have cut his jugular and he died right there on tv in front of everybody my god wow so definitely a worse so uh yeah you know rest in peace adam johnson and uh go to hell matt petgrave wow that's rough
1: yeah that's brutal all right. Other, uh, other, other, uh, I'm glad we didn't end with this. Uh, right, yeah, right. My my worst yeah. is
2: a little less intense. We're going to go out <laughs> to the state of California uh, for mine and Cal and USC playing each other. Um, at halftime, it was decided that USC should have had one more second on the clock for whatever reason. Uh-huh. Um, this was at halftime the officials decided this. So to after halftime, the teams come out, and USC has one untimed down to end the second half. As a result, Cal still has their one timeout that they didn't use from the first half. They use a timeout to ice USC's kicker, and USC comes out to attempt the field goal, and they miss it. Excellent. No, they they wow. missed this field goal that didn't that should probably shouldn't have happened anyway. It was just a, just a comedy of errors in Cal USC. USC ended up winning that game despite their best efforts. Uh, I believe the final and that was fifty to forty nine. It was, and so if that missed field goal
1: would have made the difference if Cal because Cal went for two. That's why they yeah, finished the forty nine. Yeah. They went for two mm-hmm. with fifty something seconds left, they didn't get it. Uh, did was I I was in the press box? Was that a leg, was there legitimately? Should have been one more play. Or? I
2: I did not. See, I was not watching this game. It was on the Pac-12 Network, uh-huh. and I was uh, focused Fair. otherwise. um Probably watching Auburn at the time, right. but uh, I I don't know. But it was really funny that like both teams kind of agreed. Okay, first half is done. Let's go back to our locker rooms. And then the officials were like, "Hey guys, guess eh, come on guess back what? Guess what? And after halftime, they played one untimed down to end the second half, and the, or to end the first half, and then started the third quarter with a kickoff. It was probably really probably
3: through Cal's band for a loop as they were probably getting ready to come on the field <laughs> for their little halftime show, and they're like,
2: "No, nope, hold on, man, yeah, like, yeah." yeah, I, yeah I, it was it was nasty, and then, and then USC missed the field goal. Yeah, just just yeah. the the Pac twelve
1: absolutely nothing. The yeah.
2: swan song of the Pac twelve is like nothing we've ever seen before. This it's an incredible conference this year. Uh, my real brief worst uh, goes back a little bit
1: more negatively. I thought this would be used by somebody. Um, it's Matthew Perry passed away this past weekend. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And look, this is coming from someone that has not even seen Friends, which I know I'm in like a five percent oh, wow. minority there. Um, well, he was on a lot of other stuff. I, I, uh, sure. <laughs> but I, but I certainly am aware of the cultural impact of Friends, and and certainly aware of how popular it was, and to the point where. It, if i who okay i'm sorry but 13 going on 30 is not exactly like oh i remember him for this this is you know this um if i felt some kind of way hearing that news and think oh my gosh then i can't imagine the people that grew up watching him and on that on friends and um again it's you know that people have have a time you understand that it's going to happen eventually but he's still in his 50s it's way too young and you know, it, it's just—it's always sad, and it's—and it's even sadder when it's unexpected and untimely like that. And so I just—it was just kind of, kind of slowed me
3: down for a second. Yeah, I, I can't remember the name of the movie off the top of my head. Him and Bruce Willis—he was a dentist and uh, had a hitman that was supposedly coming after him, but then it was his receptionist was actually also a hit person, and Whoa. Bruce Willis was. I, I haven't. Know.
2: I haven't seen that one. I did see a movie oh, with Matthew Perry in it one time. Oh, the movie
3: is so good, and I can't think of the name of it.
2: Yeah, there's another one that he did, and I, I'm like you. I, I remember really liking it. I've only seen it once. My like ninth grade English teacher showed it to us for some reason. But he's a teacher in New York City, and that's like the premise. He's at he's at this inner city school, and the kids don't want to do school, and he ends up making them fall in love with school. Essentially, is what it was. But it's it. Another really good – either way, I as someone oh. – I have seen every episode of Friends no less than three times. Yeah. I love that show. My uh-huh. family loves that show. Um, and that that news did hit hard because Matthew Perry uh, – Chandler is kind of the heartbeat of that show. That character is kind of – I think that his relationship with the character Monica is kind of the best part of that show. Them, those two, they're not the main focus, but they probably right. should be. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um,
3: the but, whole nine yards is the movie that I was thinking.
2: Okay, but yeah, it, it, certainly the passing of Matthew Perry. He was only fifty-four years right. old. Certainly not, not, what you wanted to see. I
1: got the movie wrong. way. it was not thirteen on thirty. It was uh, seventeen again. That's the okay. Zach Efron's in ah, it. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So, but uh, that that's one of the only things I've seen with him. And I've seen I've seen some Friends episodes. If you have television, you've seen a few right. minutes of Friends. Oh, but oh, yeah. I've just not dedicated a whole line of days and weeks to to watch the show but uh, again that's just always very very sad news and uh, impacted a lot of people negatively for sure couple minutes left time for best of the weekend
3: uh what day was game one of the world series it was friday it counts there we go (laughs) (laughs) it was friday night it was after the work week i couldn't remember if it was thursday or friday i knew it was somewhere around there so i didn't want to break the rules of best of the weekend but uh Game one, anytime, anytime a World Series game, and I don't care what game it is. If it goes into, if it walks off with a home run at home, that's just incredible. Uh, yeah, just the sights. crowd reactions. Oh my yeah. gosh, oh, yeah. the sights, the sounds, the reactions, the 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 you know the the um, non zoomed in view of the crowd just going absolutely nuts it's about as great as you can get and i mean i remember i think that's the last first uh of the last game one walk off since uh kurt gibson did it against the a's um back in 88 i remember watching that even as an A's fan but that's a home run that i vividly vividly remember um so yeah i mean good job to the uh the rangers and then of course i turn around and lose the next one but uh yeah, uh, just yeah. Anytime you get a walk off home run like that, or walk off win of any kind in yeah. a World Series game, that, that's that's something to be remembered.
2: Yeah, it's a, it's Adolis Garcia, right? Yeah, for the yep. Rangers, who yes. hit his brother Adonis, a, had yeah.
3: played for Atlanta. Yeah,
2: on a generational heater at the moment. Yeah, um, my best of the weekend is going to come courtesy of Fox College Football uh, in broadcasting Utah's game this past weekend. They they were starting a new quarterback, Bryson Barnes. I think this was his first start. I'm not positive about he that. He played
1: last week against USC. Okay. Yeah, he's played.
2: But uh, it, either, either way, uh, when introducing him, the stat that they chose to put under his name, Bryson Barnes grew up raising approximately 12,000 pigs. <laughs> and then in much smaller lettering underneath that, most in FBS. <laughs> <laughs> that that graphic, I saw it posted on the internet and it made me laugh really hard. So that's my best of the weekend. Uh, that's the funny best. Um, uh, Okay, fine. Then you guys left me the
1: obvious one. I have no choice. Auburn won an SEC game. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. There you go. Uh, they, again, looked much improved in offense the first half. Obviously, I know it did not end uh, with as much uh, oomph as we would have wanted. Yeah. But, uh, the but fireworks were
3: duds at the fourth quarter. <laughs>
1: sure. But given the last couple years. You'll win a game. Yeah. Appreciate sure. a 14-point SEC victory. In there hopefully. was toilet
3: paper thrown.
1: Yes, it was. A great sight to see downtown. Yep. And uh hopefully we'll lead to a few more this year, getting a bowl game and just uh, get this thing going. So uh just good to see them get a dub at Jordan Hare and also the fan base has been so good this year too. Yeah, they've been sticking uh, around and, um, through yeah.
0: it. Yeah,
1: been uh been crazy inside of uh Jordan Hare Jordan Hare this week, uh not this weekend, but all year, honestly. It's been uh, it's been, been great in there. Final minute or two
0: of the show. Time for Nightly TV Guide to end it. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide.
1: Got to go quickly here. So no music, but the Sports Call Nightly TV Guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Uh, for some reason, the World Series is not on here. Uh, and I have another bone to pick with uh, the person <laughs> making this. The World Series is tonight, people. Uh, you should be watching that. You just put a bunch of movies on there. I, I didn't even... This is... I don't... It's it's the only sports equinox of the year, I think. I, yes. And I, I'm I'm appalled, actually. I'm not going to read it. Uh, 703, <laughs> Rangers D-backs, Game 3 on Fox. That's a great one. Monday Night Games, a little lame, but enjoy the Lions. Lions are good for once. 5-2 of the year. They play the 3-4 and four Raiders. That's fun. This is the one sports equinox of the year. Uh, There is not an NHL game though on TV. I did check that out. Uh, NBA there is tonight. 7 o'clock NBA TV. Warriors, Pelicans, 930 Lakers and Magic. So watch the sports on the professional sports equinox the one time the only time it can happen in 2023. That's Sports Calls Nightly TV I presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. That will do it for the show today. Tom Peavy, thank you for being here, sir. We'll see you again tomorrow. Absolutely. Enjoyed every minute of it. And, Brant Dontry, thank you for being here today. Again, I know it's another long week of school and all the things, but appreciate you being here, and we'll see you again next week. Thank you for having me. That will do it for the show today. We want to thank Chris Gordy of Locked On SEC for joining us. And, as always, we appreciate all those that tuned in and called in. For Brant Dauntry and Tom Peavy, my name is Ryan LeBoy. Have a great Monday night, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow.